And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. This edition of the Hagman Report. It is Thursday, December seventh, nine or two, I was going to say nineteen forty-one uh, to two thousand seventeen. Seventy-six years after Pearl Harbor, it's uh, it's an amazing thing. And how many people see parallels to the run-up to and the Pearl Harbor, the run-up to Pearl Harbor and Pearl Harbor today to what's happening today? I, I see a lot of parallels. In fact, it was during my morning show. Uh, that I addressed some of those and the foreknowledge that is the exposure, the exposure of the foreknowledge. It's interesting that many of the materials, much of the materials from the cables, Japanese cables, intercepts by the United States as well as, as uh, England at that time are still classified. And, uh, uh, the, what we do know about the purple codes and the machines, the, uh, uh, encryption machines and such, there was foreknowledge. But, uh, commemorating 76 years ago, the, the deaths of many servicemen, many people at Pearl Harbor in, uh, what was the hinge moment in time that, that brought us into World War II. Planned? I do suspect. But tonight we've got a great program for you. Steve Quell, and Aaron Brickman is going to be talking about cryptocurrencies, something that is over the head of many people. I do suspect it's over my head. I admit it. I don't understand it. I want clarification. You know, I'm kicking myself. Well, I mean, Bitcoin's at seventeen thousand dollars just a few months ago. That's Eric that, and I were that, talking. That's about That's meaningless it. to me. Eric and I were talking about it. It was at five thousand, and I remember when it was when it was uh, cheap, like the dollar cheap. But but it's meaningless to me because what is it? Uh, well, I, we'll get into that, and that's and that's why we have Mr. Brickman and Mr. Quayle coming on to talk about that. But first, we're we're going to bring you a quick word from Alan Riggs, the founder and owner of Greenovative, Greenovative dot com. Alan, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Good evening, gentlemen. What's going on in your world, Alan? I know we got the thirty percent um, sale that you've been running with promo code Hagman. How's that been going? It's going well, and I'm getting a, a lot of phone calls and. Uh, a fair number of orders from your from your audience, and congratulations on your first and second live daily shows. And on your first show, you had uh, Coach Dave, and about three weeks ago, one of my customers ordered uh, five of our uh, mission packs and sent them off to Coach Dave. So it was good that you guys had them on. That's great. Well, that that's great to hear, Alan. Um, what are some of the things that, that is going on over at Greenovative? Uh, we're working uh, really hard to get all the orders out. We're trying to make sure that we have enough so that everybody uh, can get theirs by Christmas. And I put out the word that if you get them, if you order by the 10th, we'll guarantee that they'll be there by Christmas. And if I work a little faster or maybe get a few more ahead, maybe I can slide that a couple of days. I don't know yet, but we're working hard on it. Um, a lot of response, a lot of folks saying, hey, I really like this. Are you thinking about making one of these? And I'm going to go tell my pastor that we need to send one to our our missionaries. Just a lot of positive feedback. I, I 
thoroughly enjoy working with the uh, the Eggman loyalists. Well, we enjoy working with you too, Alan. And the mission pack, how much is is it? Fifteen percent off the mission pack right now? It is. It's yeah. It's thirty uh, percent off. It's thirty percent off everything in the store right now. Well, that's fantastic. And folks, take advantage of the offer from Alan Riggs, uh, 30% off. That's the, the biggest sale that they have ever done exclusively for, for Hagman Report listeners. And if you order by December 10th, Alan said he can get it to you by Christmas and orders after that. I guess it's, uh, it's touch and go, but take advantage of the, the discounts, 30% off everything in the store using promo code Hagman. Alan, thank you so much for, for coming on tonight. And thank you for the wonderful discounts and sales that you have over over at Green Bay. Why don't you give out the uh, the phone number people can call if they have questions or uh, if they want to order? The phone number is uh, six. It's area code three two one six three eight four eight eight five. And you can call me. I'd be happy to answer your questions. And just one other little tidbit I'd like to leave with you is your loyalists and some other folks have helped us send out a total of seventy five mission pack units to people in need from the hurricanes. Well, that's that's awesome. Well, let's see if we can't double that, folks. Again, oh, that would be great. And these are going to the uh, hurricane victims and those people in need. Hey, let's see if we can't get more of that. Uh, what a great investment. Can't think of any better place to put your money to help others. And uh, these do indeed help others very well. Very good. Thank you so much, sir. Wow. That's fantastic. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, it's great to have you, Alan. And, again, thank you for the the awesome discounts, folks. Go to greeninnovative.com. That's 30% off everything in the store, including the mission packs. And if you do want to help out, uh, you know, Puerto Rico still without power. I'm sure they could use some mission packs down there. So if you're feeling charitable, go to Green Innovative and try to get some of those packs to some people down in Puerto Rico who could really use them. Alan, thank you so much. Thank you. Good talking to you. All right. Now, now we saw uh, very quickly, just want to let everyone know, look, we are monitoring the uh, congressional hearings. Of course, the FBI Director Chris Wray testified before Congress for the first time since Trump, uh, since Donald Trump uh, Did you watch described that? it. I, I've got it on, uh, I've recorded all of the the testimony that, oh, that was man. open to, that, that was open. Now, some, uh, yeah. I watched about an hour this morning. Okay. And it was, it was a uh, comical. A well, lot of it was. Well, yeah, and we have to go through it. I'm, I'm waiting for the transcripts as well, but uh, understand that we're following this. All right, so um, we're going to have more commentary on this at another time. But in the meantime, Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, as well as Aaron Brickman. Cryptocurrencies, how many of us really understand what's what cryptocurrencies are or, or, or you know, what, what's involved in this? I don't. I, I'll tell you right now, I, I don't have a clue. Uh, you, you, Bitcoin to me is... A mystery. So, um, and, and we've gotten so many emails asking about our thoughts on cryptocurrencies. And um, uh, in talking with Steve Quayle, Steve Quayle rose up to the ch- to the challenge, and, and thankfully, uh, bringing with with him Aaron Brickman uh, to talk about this very issue. Hopefully, informing others about what's going on with that. Steve Quayle, Steve, thanks so much for 
for coming on and really filling a void, man, filling an informational void. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to give it well, to you. Go well, ahead. thank you, Doug. And I'm, I'm the second to admit that, obviously, as a guy that coined the term, if you can't touch it, you don't own it, I also am also aware of the fact that technology is so far advanced from where most people even can begin to grasp it that I wanted my expert friend, Aaron Brickman, to come on. Now, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, about Aaron. Number one, he was he's a ranger, Army ranger, first ranger. Ranger Battalion out of Savannah, Georgia, and I've known Aaron for a decade, and he, uh, I met him in Florida. He's a private investor and businessman, very successful. He pioneered, along with his wife, they pioneered a business model for Internet startup companies from 2002 to 2010, and upon selling his company, he retired, actually their company, they retired to the Caribbean and then Florida for a few years, and I remember talking to Aaron about moving down there and joining him. But in 2014, he and his wife began building a new internet company that will be uh, platform-based. His formal education is in history and politics, and by the way, he reads my stuff. His experience now centers around trading financial products, and he understands this stuff like no one. I, I mean, listen, there are smart people out there, some well-known uh, personalities on Bitcoin. One of them sent me an email saying, you missed the boat. Well, just in talking to Aaron this morning, actually I have it on my phone, Doug, at 8.31 when uh, Aaron and I started talking about tonight's show, Bitcoin went from 15800 a coin to 17 thousand while we were on the phone. That's dollars per coin. It started out in less than a dollar per coin. But I want to bring Aaron on. I'm not going to interfere or interject anything unless he needs a break because I frankly am getting the same questions, Doug, you are, and I don't know. Now, I want to make it clear, Aaron is also a believer in financial instruments in hand, meaning gold, precious metals. So this isn't a guy that's going to tell you to dump all your gold and silver and go buy Bitcoin. But in order for us to even understand the way the future is heading, I can say this. The guys I've heard explain it are on level one, and Aaron's going to bring us to level three. Uh, so, Aaron, uh, thank you for coming on tonight, and just take it away. You need a break, hand it back to me, but I'm going on silent running because I need to learn also. Well, thank you, uh, Doug and Joe and Steve. And I, it, let me just, I don't even know where to begin, but I, I want to begin by just thanking Doug and Joe for, for what you do on the radio and for your program. And, uh, and I, I really, I listened to it. I appreciate it. I, 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 I cannot even comprehend. And I don't think any of, all of the, all of us who, um, are the listening audience and don't do what you guys do every night, I don't think we can truly appreciate and comprehend the amount of work and sacrifice that, that goes into what you guys do. And Well, 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 thank you, uh, Aaron Brickman. Thank you so much for that. Uh, for some reason, your audio cut out there. I don't know if uh, people caught that, but, uh, but, but thank you. It's, uh, it, it, it's a labor of love to be certain. And, uh, you know, we're in this for the long haul and we appreciate your contribution of information for our listeners. And we just, uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to stand back and uh, sit back and take notes ourselves. Uh, so with that, Mr. Brickman, again, uh, the pleasure, honor is all of ours. And uh, uh, have at it, sir. Uh, you can start off by, by explaining to people what uh, 
when when people say Bitcoin to me, I, I mean my eyes glaze over. I don't know I don't know what cryptocurrencies is, so you're gonna have to kind of go to a you know a kindergarten level, start there and work up. Did we lose him, Doug? Yeah, you know what? I don't know. Dead air is not good for the. <laughs> it sounds like we did yeah. lose him, Steve. We'll get, yeah. we'll get him back. Um, all right. So yeah. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Oh, wait, oh here we are. All right. Well, I guess nobody. I guess they didn't like me uh, just thanking Doug and Joe for their service. But uh, no, we heard that. But then, then your phone <laughs> cut out. Are you, are you okay? Are you in a place I'm, where yeah, you're? I'm. I'm Sitting in my office, and uh, I'm, I'm. Let's pick up where I, where I left off. I just wanted to. It, it, I just wanted to thank you, uh, Doug and Joe, for your service. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the, the opportunity, and I appreciate Steve. You know, Steve knows me like like you said for about a decade, and I am the last guy that wants to be on the radio. Um, and but I know that uh, you know. Steve has spoken into my life over the years, and uh, and, I, and I believe that this was timely, and this is is, is an unction by the Lord. So I will uh, respond to that. But I just wanted to let you guys know that um, this is uh, this is going to be difficult for me. Um, and and so if I sound, I, I I trust the Lord is going to speak through me. I want to. I want to. This is not going to be a three-hour lecture, um, and I don't want it to be that. Frankly, the Lord has put a lot in me, but it it really works best when when we have a conversation and we have a dialogue and we go back and forth. and And I really want to do that this evening. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure all three of you guys have have questions, whether it's from the audience or whether it's personal questions. And I think that that's the best way. Um, to approach this subject is if if we go down that route, I'll, I'll say some 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 opening statements and, and maybe spend a little bit of time diving in um, to give you guys a general understanding. Um, I want to start off by saying that I am not a developer. I am not a programmer. I work with them. I hire them. I have convers- in-depth conversations with them. And, and when I talk to them, I feel like I'm the idiot. Um, but, um, so I will do, I, I want to make it clear to the audience that I'm not coming on here to be the expert to tell you the way it is. Um, I think it's very important for all of us to be open to, uh, to truth, to be open to rebuke, to be open and admit when we don't understand something. And I think that, uh, I might know more than Steve, but there are plenty of guys that know more than me when it comes to this topic. So I do not want to. If the, and, and there might be guys, women in the audience listening tonight, that um, know more of a technical nature than I do, and that is fine. I, I I really want to be clear with the audience that I come with a with a macro understanding, but having built technology companies, um, and so. What's been frustrating for me is to hear most of what the public has been told from both sides of the of the argument about cryptocurrency is is just it's it's just fear mongering. It's it's not based. When I have these conversations with Steve all the time, it's really just not. I kind of get frustrated. I'm like, where where did they come up with that? And maybe that's uh, stuff that uh, 
you guys will ask, you know, articles or questions that you guys will point to. Um, it seems that the higher, that crypt, the more popular cryptocurrency becomes, the more insane the accusations um, from both from both camps. Um, that sound does that sound like a good plan for the evening, guys? It does, especially. I mean, you consider you're talking to a guy, me, that still has trouble uh, understanding the concept of a fax machine. Okay, so <laughs> and you know, uh, but yes, yes. Uh, so let's dive in, and um, we'll have a conversation. Indeed. Okay, so let's. Uh, I appreciate that, Doug. And hey, by the way, I I still haven't figured out how my microwave works. So you know, at a technical level, I. I God, God bless Steve because he starts talking the tech stuff and uh, and the science behind a, a lot of the new technology, and uh, he t- he he teaches me in that regard. So, but I'll do the best I can, and, and hopefully, you know, I'm really expecting that the Lord. I do I do my expectation for this evening is not that we achieve at some some understanding of of of, of that we're not going to understand this in totality. Um, and let me say that I'm going to make some comparisons in, in to the dot-com one bubble um, and the technology revolution that was ushered in in the late 90s and early 2000s. But I'm also going to make reference to the technology innovation of electricity at the turn of the prior century going into the 20th century. And then we're going to make reference to the industrial revolution because each of these three uh, time periods are instructive to what we're, uh, we're going through right now. So when people say that they don't understand what Bitcoin is, rest assured that most of the people involved in cryptocurrency don't understand what they're about to unleash. Okay, Some of them do. Okay. Most of the developers do not. Okay. Most technology developers, in my humble opinion, in my experience, are the technicians. They're down in, in what we would call the weeds, and they're not at 30,000 feet surveying the last 500 years in where we're headed. Um, and that's not a slight against the developers. That's just the, that's just the way their brain works, and that's the gifting that God's given them. The technical nature of it. Um, so let's dive in. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quick explanation of what Bitcoin is. But let me start by saying, you can spend, and we all, as society, will spend the next couple of years learning about what cryptocurrency is. Anybody that claims to be to have a definitive authority, authority on Cryptocurrency and where we're headed is is not telling you the truth. It, it, I would liken it to the best and the brightest minds out of Silicon Valley in the late '90s who were talking about the internet could not, in their wildest dreams, conceive of 2017. Okay, um, life is messy. It's dynamic. You're dealing with 7 billion people. You're dealing with all types of... You can set in motion trends. You can tap into historical forces that are at play. 
but life gets messy and it's multidimensional. And before you know it, the Internet doesn't look like what they intended it to be, both good and bad. And so when people come along and say cryptocurrency is this and it is going to be this in 10 years, rest assured history will show that if you can if you can imagine it, if you can envision it, if you say that's it, that's not it. It, it, it might be it might be part of it, but it is not it in totality. So I think all of us are seeing um, through a glass dimly, <clears throat> darkly, and we're gonna and and that's to me as an entrepreneur where the fun is. Um, I enjoy I enjoy my life. I enjoy the time that we're alive in because it is extremely dynamic. It's full of change, but in 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 that tumult, in in that mix. That's where I believe God is raising up men and women who are going to set a new standard. We're going to and we're going to embrace certain forms of technology, and I think you're seeing that even over the last 20 years with the internet and what they intended it to be and really what it has become. And we'll probably revisit that on our way into into cryptocurrency and where the blockchain is really taking humanity. Um, so what is the what is Bitcoin? Okay, let's just jump right in. We've been told that Bitcoin is digital money. Maybe some people have heard that um, it's really cryptocurrency. They've heard a little bit about the blockchain. Maybe they heard it was a platform. Maybe they heard it was a company. Maybe they heard it was like the Internet. We've heard all this stuff. And I would submit to you that it's all of that but it's a lot more and this is like peeling back an onion it's going to be we're going to be peeling layers and that's why frankly in three hours we will scratch the surface of the technology so we're going to we're going to we're going to dive in and then we're going to we're going to try and not get sucked into the details because you really lose sight of a lot of things as you get deeper into the details we're going to try and maintain some kind of um, big picture approach to it so um What is the blockchain? Blockchain, how did, it, how did it come into existence? Bitcoin came into existence in October of 2008 during the financial crisis. Okay? It was a white paper that was written by a person who was calling themselves Satoshi Nakamoto. This person published a white paper that posited, and this white paper can be searched online, it can be downloaded. It's like seven pages. Okay, So this is not... This is not a long read. What what will impress you is that I've never seen such such innovation, such groundbreaking ideas so succinctly put out in such a small piece of paper. It was radical what he was proposing. So what did he propose? He published a white paper that posited that he had found a way to create a decentralized network, which is a very important term we'll get to found a way to create a decentralized network that could achieve consensus and agreement among all the parties without any controlling authority. Needless to say, that was outrageously radical, and it still is radical. 
it's going to be radical a hundred years from now. Okay? How do you, let's say it another way, how do you get a group of people together, achieve consensus and agreement with no controlling authority? Let's take it into finance. Because the first application of this, and this was proposed in the white paper, was banking. Okay? Which is why Bitcoin a lot of times has become synonymous with the blockchain. But I hope that you'll understand at the end of this conversation that Bitcoin, the money application, is just, let's call it the first app of what the blockchain is going to roll out. Okay? So let's take finance, banking, and let's ask a simple question. Why do we have third-party intermediaries in all aspects of financial life? What would be an intermediary? Credit card company is an intermediary between a buyer and a seller. Okay? Um, banking is an intermediary between you and your money. Um, banking as a as, as loaning or as a loan officer, as a, as a loan facility, okay, between you and the other party. How about uh, Wall Street, okay? Wall Street is a third party between you purchasing a stock and the company or it's a third party between a company that's wanting to go public and raise funds from prospective buyers. Okay. What he was proposing was eliminate the entire financial intermediary system from humanity. Okay. And if you don't think that that's radical or that it's going to upset the powers that be and that they're going to go quietly into the night, then you haven't been paying attention to anything in the last 20 years and what they're doing and the fight that's already taking place with uh, communications and with alternative media. This is going to make the fight with alternative media pale in comparison. Pale. We're talking about taking away their command and control structure of the planet through the financial system. We'll continue. You guys tracking with me? Decentralization of everything is what you're saying. Everything. Yeah, taking out the middleman. Here's the thing that Aaron helped me, okay? We all who have been in the financial industry, you know, even people that buy metals from me, precious metals, they obviously send me a check or they send me a bank wire. What this does is it totally takes out the middleman, totally takes out the institutions, and allows me to go one-on-one -on -one with anybody, and there's nobody that's keeping track of it. So it provides, at this point, the ultimate uh, cover. In the third hour, just so everybody knows, I've asked Aaron to address the issues of security, the issues of what the powers that be will do to shut it down, all that stuff. And then he'll tell you uh, how those concerns, while valid, don't apply. So, Aaron, uh, continue on because, and again, people are tracking with you. So, uh, okay. you know, just, conti just continue on. All right. So, so he asked, why do we have third-party intermediaries in the financial realm? Okay. 
And we're, we're talking banking going back thousand years, at least back to you know six seven hundred years to the Italians. They are there to ensure trust and verification among the two primary parties that are conducting a financial agreement. Okay, for example, credit card companies. Credit card companies are there so that the the that I have a recourse as a, a reseller if I'm a retailer. I have a recourse um, if there's a fraudulent charge, okay? Um, all of us can contact our credit card company. They have a balance, a ledger, okay? They're going to flag charges that, that are questionable. That's one of the, the things that they're performing. So it's trust, okay? In the banking system, really what they're doing, especially now that we've moved to a digital age in 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 money is being conduct is being traded around the world digitally. Is they're there basically to, to to watch the ledger, you know, so we don't get into what's called a double spend problem. Did did Aaron Brickman have the funds in his account when he paid Steve digitally? Okay, if if nobody's keeping track of that ledger and we're dealing with digital, we've moved out of cash. Okay, a long time ago, and now we're dealing with whether it's a check. And they were doing this function with checks. Okay, so this isn't just electron. Once we moved past cash, and we're writing checks, credit cards, uh, letters of credit, all this for. Okay, where we've we've taken money and made an abstraction of it. Okay, at that point, somebody has to be watching the ledger. Okay, so. That's what what they were original. That was the original intent of financial intermediaries. Okay. So if we remove them, and this is the this is the central question, and this is going to be the central question that the world is going to be wrestling with. How do we ensure that there is trust and validation among the parties within the network? Okay. Satoshi's proposal was is that instead of a bank or a credit card company recording every transaction in one central ledger, all the users within the network would record all the transactions at the same time. As a result, any attempt to fool the community would be noticed by the community and the payment within the community would be rejected. No one user, no government, no bank could force a fee on a payment system or control its flow or prevent people from accessing that payment channel. The result is a cheaper, you've eliminated the middleman, you've eliminated the banks, you've eliminated the third party that's taking their fees, that's taking their cuts, that's charging outrageous amounts on lending, that's charging late fees, okay? All of this, you eliminate that so the result is a cheaper, quicker, easier way to spend money across the entire planet. It transcends borders. Okay. The blockchain is a decentralized network that allows transactions on a direct peer-to-peer level without any third-party intermediary. So I have a Bitcoin address. I have Bitcoin. I have a Bitcoin address. I want to send Steve one Bitcoin. It doesn't matter a Bitcoin. It's $100. And whatever I want to send him, I put it into my address, 
I put his address, I hit send, and instantly on the Lightning Network, on some of these other networks, they're increasing the speed. Right now, Bitcoin, maybe it's five, ten minutes. They're getting it down to seconds. Other, some of the other networks we'll talk about are, are literally doing it in less than a second. The money's there. No fees other than, I mean, we're talking a nominal transaction fee on the network. And when I say nominal transaction fee, um, right now with banks, obviously, uh, let's, well, let's just stop and, and talk about banks. What, how, how cumbersome is that with a traditional bank right now? Okay. They're going to ask me, why am I sending him that money? They're going to maybe approve it, maybe not. They're going to take a fee. It's going to be a huge hassle to send it to them with a wire going into the physical bank. I'm going to wait a day, two days, three days. It's an international wire, maybe even longer. If it needs to be converted into the local currency, there's going to be transaction fees, finance charges. On the, on the recipient's end, they're probably going to get an incoming wire fee. Okay, so the fees add up quickly, as we all know. And government oversight. And the government oversight. Let's stop and get deep into this and what, what this is doing. Right now, we have the SWIFT payment system. The Chinese are building their alternative SWIFT payment system, okay, uh, called the CHIP system, okay? Um, we obviously see what the BRIC nations are doing. We know what Russia and China is doing. We know that the world is trying to build alternative systems because if they don't agree with the West and primarily the United States, we can embargo them, we can cut them out of the entire financial realm of the world. And yet Bitcoin says, no, you can't. No, you can't. It does not go through any central authority. Okay. Um, I'm going to continue. We're going to come back to that. Yeah, it, it, unless you guys want to go deeper. No, no, um, th- that's fine. Well, I, I think, yeah, just continue on. Uh, get, with okay. The, so blockchain is a distributed ledger technology. Okay. I want to make this clear because a lot of people are thinking, and let's just call it what it is. A lot of people are thinking that this is the mark of the beast. Okay. And I don't fault them for thinking that, okay? It sounds pretty scary. We're now talking about borders coming down, governments coming down. Big difference is when you look at the beast system in Revelation, we're talking about extreme control, ultimate control, right? No buying, no selling. This is the antithesis of the B system. Okay? And, we're, and the more you understand the technology and what they're doing, the more, yes, it's going, what this is about to do is to liberate people. Okay? And this is an ongoing process that I want to get into that's been taking place um, since the Industrial Revolution. Um, so let's get through the blockchain, and I want to talk about the Industrial Revolution and the revolution that this is about to kickstart. Is make no mistake, the, the anxiety that people are feeling in their life, the pace of change that is taking place upon or around the planet, um, 
is revolutionary. And I believe that people are sensing intuitively the revolution that is taking place. People, when I say revolution, it does not have to be bloody. That's, that's one way history can play it out. But I mean it in a deeper, more fundamental, more profound sense, which is, which we'll talk about. Blockchain, I want to recover this as a distributed ledger technology. Um, in the white paper, Satoshi was very clear that it was an extreme rejection of government guaranteed money and banking control. Okay. Um, he envisioned people spending money without friction, without intermediaries, without regulation, or the need to know or trust other parties. Okay. As we discussed earlier, the central problem with electronic cash is the double spend problem. Okay. And so if nobody was watching the ledger, obviously I could send money to Steve and nobody was watching my ledger. I could go spend, I could double spend and send that same money to Doug and Hey, if there was no ledger, how would they know in an electronic in an electronic era that I didn't have that money? Hey, so hey Aaron, let me hey Aaron, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let's say a guy's got a you know a hundred bitcoins, which is worth about one hundred seventy thousand uh, dollars. You know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, whatever the math works out. Uh, yeah, I think it would be that, wouldn't it? Yeah, one bitcoin seventeen thousand. So yeah, right. uh, it'd be one hundred seventy thousand. Does that appear on the, and I don't know the answers, ladies and gentlemen, does that appear not by name but by a number or an account so people can always, do they monitor the amount that's in the account that they can check off against? The only thing that is taking place inside these blocks, and the reason it's called a blockchain is because that um, what happens is you have an address. Now, here's the thing. You, don't, you can have a billion addresses, and I'm not kidding you. You can create endless addresses, okay? Um, so you don't have a name tied to an address. I can create a billion addresses. In fact, every time I spin something and send something out, I can create a new address, okay? Um, and that's good to keep in mind if you're trying to do forensic analysis because this is going to create havoc when billions of people are creating trillions of addresses, Okay. Um, so this is not like a typical bank. You have one address. All that's being recorded on the blockchain in real time is that this address is has an output of this value of Bitcoin or an input. Actually, it would be an output of this value. So let's say an output of 10 Bitcoins. And this address is receiving said 10 Bitcoins. That's it. There's no names. There's no geographic boundaries. It doesn't know if it's going to China. It doesn't know where it's going. Okay? And this is, and this is being broadcast on the network. Okay? What is the network? Maybe we should just jump in here and say how, and maybe use a little, get into a little detail of how this is working. Um, what this is, is that this is a protocol. Okay? It, it is it is a um, TCP/IP, which is what the internet is running on. That's a protocol, okay. And what's revolutionary about that is that if you have an inter if you ha are receiving the internet on a protocol, okay. There's not a central. Let's go back in time and go back. Look, the internet is a DARPA project, right? I mean, it comes out of that evolution. 
And what was it created to do? It was created to be a communications platform because there was no central authority. There was no central command location that could be taken out and take down the entire network, right? Okay, so it was be, it was going to be able to survive a nuclear attack, okay? We get the Internet, you know, that, that brings us the Internet, the blockchain is a protocol what is a protocol it's just a set of rules it's a language okay and you if you're speaking that language on the network and there's others that are listening to that language on the network they can communicate back and forth the blockchain is there is no it's not a place it's not a website it's not a it's not a physical property it's not even a location Okay, the blockchain is like saying shortwave radio. Okay, um, and so if I'm speaking, and the and the blockchain runs on top of the internet. It runs on top of the TCP/IP protocol, which is the internet. Okay, so there's only one way to take down the blockchain: take down the entire net. If well, let me let me see how it works, and then we're going to talk about what China just attempted to do last month or two months ago. The blockchain, so the blockchain is a language, is a protocol. If you meet those conditions and you're speaking that language, then it executes. It's just software. It executes it. Okay. So you're broadcasting. You put out. I put out an intention through a client. Um, that uh, on uh, on uh, the computer that I'm going to send my address x amount of Bitcoin to Steve Quayle's address. It gets broadcast. There are on the internet there are miners, and you've heard that term mining. They're mining Bitcoin. What are they doing? What miners are doing is they are grabbing out of a mine pool. So all these transactions are being broadcast, and they're going into a holding area. The miners, and I could be a miner, Doug, you could be a miner if you had the device, Steve could be a miner. All the miners are doing is they're looking into the pool, they're grabbing the content of the transaction, and they begin putting them into what's called a block. Okay, There's some cryptography. In fact, there's a lot of cryptography that's going on, a lot of hashing, some really insane you know, algorithmic, and high math stuff is taking place that frankly blows yep. my mind. Um, hey, Aaron? Will, Aaron? Yes. Yeah. Let me interrupt you because this is critical. Are you saying then that the miners can, they're, they're looking for a, a pool of money that the claimant hasn't received and they steal that? No. What I'm saying is that the miners are fulfilling the function of banks being the ledger. Gotcha. Okay. Just, I we eliminated the banks. So now the community is looking at the address and the amount and putting it together, and they are they are basically comparing it. And this is a dumbed down version. You know, they are all working on it together, and they are reaching consensus. Okay, and this is very important so that if theoretically anybody hacked into the block. It would have to, when they changed it, it would immediately get flagged because it's not what everybody else might. Okay? 
They would see the error in the data. Okay, it's there's no central authority doing it. We're all doing it. Okay, when that's done, it's encrypted, it's sealed, it's time stamped. There's a hash attached to it. It's in a block. A block is done every ten minutes. Now, this is important to understand. At a bank, at Target, at any system right now that is carrying data, if you can hack it. You get into the database. You get into everything, okay? With the blockchain, what's revolu- one of the many revolutionary things about it is, okay, even if you could hack it, you got into the block of transactions that occurred for the last 10 minutes. And, and by the way, we're nine years into this. There has never been any block hacked. Okay. And believe me, with where the price of Bitcoin is right now, that's a that's a major honeypot, what they call in technology a honeypot. It's basically begging anybody with skills to get into it, and nobody's been able to get into it. Okay. And frankly, I have spent days in front of these developers and the tech guys explaining to me really what they're doing inside these blocks, and frankly, I don't think it'll ever be able to be hacked. It is, it is, it is, it will blow your mind the level of technology that is taking place. So, where we have seen hacks, and we might as well just address this right now that people are going to ask, where we have seen hacks is in traditional networks. We've seen it in, in, um, in maybe not Coinbase per se, but in some of these other uh, third party that that are uh, they're like exchanges they're like bitcoin exchanges or cryptocurrency exchanges that are functioning just like a stock exchange or any of these other traditional environments okay but the blockchain and this is what's being proven to the developers is the blockchain is at a whole other level of security than anything we've created yet okay so i want to make it clear that the blockchain cryptocurrency has not been hacked yet. Okay, okay, Aaron, oh. if I can if I can stop you here for a second, and and, and please yeah. humor me, Steve. I, I ask for your patience, everyone. I don't even know what. Okay, you explain the infrastructure, basically the mechanism of transfer, but I don't even know what the hell we're transferring. Are we? It's are we transferring? Okay. Uh, what is it? Error. I mean, it, it, crypto. What's a Bitcoin? It, it's not silver. It's not gold. It's not uh, fiat currency. It's it's. Pardon, pardon the question. Wait. What, what is it? All right, let's, let's do that. All right, let's jump in there. <clears throat> let's talk about money. Um. What is money? We. What, Steve, what's money? Somebody, somebody, give me. Let me tell me. Well, I'll give you the definition of money. It is a commodity or a representation of a commodity that has an accepted value. That in order for a transaction to take place, uh, two or more parties have to agree or acknowledge the underlying value of the commodity. All right. So I would say that Bitcoin is going to meet that definition. So let's go through that. Okay, where did money where did money begin? Okay, money began with bartering. Okay, so we're hey, taking, Aaron, Aaron, 
Yes. Yeah. Let me stop you. You don't need to keep saying okay because it takes away from your time. I, I just want to give you a helpful hint. No, no, because you've got so much valuable stuff to say, and we're already, you know, 47 minutes, so that's not a criticism. It's just a, a helpful suggestion. Just go for it, and then Doug or, or whoever will interject. I appreciate that. It's, I appreciate that. Yeah, you, you, that no Funny. one can actually respond to you or should except through us. And if you open up for questions, you know, written <laughs> questions or Doug or whatever, that's it. But just save yourself that time because it's a valuable time. Continue, sir. I, I appreciate that. Money. Money money has been it, it, the only value, the only, the only true value that we had at any point, and it was not money, was when we were bartering. And this is coming, and I know that's going to upset a lot of people in your audience. This is coming from a guy that has invested seven figures in gold and silver. Okay, so this isn't a guy that, that, that believes just in digital money. I, I have invested, and I still am invested heavily in gold and silver. Right, and I okay. want people to understand that. And I said that at the beginning because, you know, uh, I want people to understand this, too. I I subscribe to the fact if you can't uh, touch it, you don't own it. But the point also is is I understand technology is advancing, and what gives greenbacks any credibility is the fact that there's nothing backing that up. So the the greater uh, value added, and this is, I want to say this about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, is everyone is going to assign value to it and agree, agree to it fulfilling, excuse me, the most important part of any, uh, if you will, uh, script or offer or in this world, a digital uh, byte. It's the value that so exceeds the greenbacks and any paper currency that's got governments basically ordering uh, millions of pairs of giant-shaped, baby-shaped kimbis, okay? Because this thing is a transform. And a transform means it's a total change. Now, I think it's important that people understand that. Go ahead. That you're not an anti-gold and silver guy. Because a lot of people are bailing on their gold and silver. I get the, and I said, you're going to be sorry. So, you know, and, and let's just deal with what Cliff High is having to say. That, you know, obviously there's a limited amount of gold and silver. And there are people that are going to take the opportunity when it arises to acquire as much as they can at whatever price they can. And then it will be unavailable for the company. And man, so uh, you know, and go I ahead and deal with it. Yeah, I look everything Steve said. I just agree with, and, and maybe that's his way of kicking me in the pants. And I'll take the, I'll take this now. Um, uh, we had to get through the the formal definition of cryptocurrency, so let's run and let's let's be clear about money. Money, m money left an intrinsic value. Okay, once we left barter and we began to abstract it, even silver and gold was an abstraction. Okay, I would argue that silver and gold was more of an abstraction of money than what silver and gold is going to be in the future. Let me say it another way. When we get into the new electrics, silver will have more true value than at any other time in its history. Okay? But right now, it's still an abstraction of value. Um, as we then moved into paper, we then moved into credit cards, and we have had digital money. In fact, I would argue that we've had a one-world currency for at least 40 years, and it's called the petrodollar. Okay? Agreed. So what is the difference between digital dollars and Bitcoin? Okay, let's just cut to the chase. 
The answer is we've been digital, but the money has been controlled. The money has received value because of because of the sovereign dictate of the government. Okay, they're the only ones who can create the money. Therefore, it has value. Uh, they will use the military-industrial complex to enforce said value. Okay, and you're not allowed to step outside of that dollar-based system without suffering consequences. Okay, basically, they have had the power of the printing press. Okay, they've had the only printing press. And what Bitcoin says is, no, you don't. It says, we trans, we now can print our own money. We in a consensus community can assign it a 20, actually it was a $19,800 value this morning. Okay. We don't need to go through your banking system. We don't need to go to, through your financial services. We don't need to support you with all our fees. Oh, and by the way, we'll send it to whomever we want, whenever we want, instantaneously. And because it's decentralized and it's running on top of the Internet, if you want to take it down, you're going to have to shut down the entire Internet system and never turn it back on. Why never turn it back on? Because if there's one point, and this gets into network, if there's one point in the world, if the entire world bans cryptocurrency, and one island nation decides that you can send money to their banking system, the money will arrive at that bank, instantly be into cryptocurrency, and continue to run on top of the net. This is what just happened to China. China, three, two months ago, three months ago, I guess, three months ago, in the, middle of, in the beginning of September, basically said we're shutting down the ICOs, these companies that are, that are issuing cryptocurrency for, for their startups, <clears throat> and we're going to, uh, and you're not going to be allowed to raise funds. And so what the companies did said, they said, okay, and they went to Hong Kong, they went to Seoul, Korea, they went to Tokyo, and they went to Singapore, and Bitcoin went from $3,000 when China made that announcement to 19000 today. And I would, and I would all, I, I would submit that if the Chinese government, the government that doesn't have a Bill of Rights, the government that can throw you in the gulag, the government that ha it is a communist country, make no mistake, it's communist, if they can't stop Bitcoin, then my attitude is good luck to London, New York, and D.C. Okay, but now, again, <sighs> patience, please. I, I get okay. I understand what you're saying about about the um, about the mode, the method, the platform. I, I understand that. What where I'm having a problem is, uh, where, whereas there's a difference between currency and money, obviously. And, and forgive me for going back here, but I, I'm getting a lot of people, you know, confused. 
or fiat currency is cash. It's the petrodollar, as you referenced. It's dollars, pesos, yen, whatever it might be, whatever you have in your wallet. Um, that's okay, but it, at some point it represents something. Or is Bitcoin just a bunch of excited electrons out there? I mean, what what makes what what does what does Doug and I appreciate that, and I, I want to answer that, and we'll work through this. So you're you're asking what you're asking the most fundamental question. It's the it's the, it's the best question of the night. It's the, it's the it's the ultimate question of the night. Because if it's just a phantom, if it's just an illusion, then then the joke's on everybody. Okay, so I, I do appreciate exactly. that. And I, and I hope to answer that. And so continue to press me until you understand, because if you don't understand that, and we're all engaged in, the, in an illusion, then... Well, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, we're, we're at the top of the hour break. So, Steve, in like one sentence, am I, am, I, am I too fundamental? Am I off, Steve? No, you're not off, but here's the problem, Doug. Of our generation, it's really tough to wrap your brain around this, okay, because okay. we're so trained and we're like Pavlov salivating dogs at the trough of the petrodollar, okay? Got it. And they've been pulling our chains, but this decentralized, here's the, the bottom line, is that the decentralization puts contact to contact without them, and I guess, Aaron, one of the questions we'll deal after the break is they're not going to go quietly into of the night. So uh, basically what, what Aaron is saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, is that this breaks the control of basically fiat money, fiat currency, and the only thing that makes fiat currency any good is the exchange rates that central banks set on it. Because what's yeah, we're between gonna, red ink? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll appreciate it on your break. When we come back, we'll get into the, exactly how it's going to break them financially, and we're going to answer your question, Doug, about Superb. the nature and right. value of money. All right. Stand by, network break, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Hagman Report. We have guests with us, Steve Quayle and Aaron Brickman. We're going to get back to them in just a second. Don't forget to check HagmanReport.com and check out Peter Barry Chowka's latest article, Fake news and now fake ratings from MSNBC. And just a quick side note, tomorrow from 12 to 1, Peter Chalka will be the guest on the Hagman Daily Show. And that's 12 to 1 on Blog Talk Radio and 2 to 3 on Global Star. So make sure you don't miss that. Is cryptocurrency a digital prison? That's the title of tonight's show as we're talking with Steve Quayle and Aaron Brickman about the cryptocurrency uh, world and Bitcoin specifically as we see this huge increase in the price of Bitcoin and it continues to, um, you know, just, just stun the, the markets here. You know, we're talking thousand dollars increases in a matter of hours. Before the break though, uh, we had a question that my dad asked Aaron and I'm going to turn it over to you, Aaron, and let's just jump right back into this. Great. All right. Value. When, when, let's go back to Bitcoin. Bitcoin, when it was originally created, it is maxed out, okay, at 21 million coins. That's it, okay? There will never, there will, when they reach 21 million coins created through the mining and we're already at like 20 million, there will never be any more made, unlike U.S. dollars and the rest of the fiat currency system, okay? Now, a lot of people have argued that that's highly deflationary versus inflationary. 
be that as it may, and the Austrian school can deal with that one, but be that as it may, um, it solves one of the major issues of the last 20, 30, 40 years that the world is, is having to deal with, which is that fiat money always ends up at zero. Okay. Um, and the nations will always destroy their own currency and eventually hyperinflate their debt away. So one of the main, one of the main appeals to Bitcoin is because there is a limited supply. All right. Um, the other values that are giving value to it, okay, is it, is that it, um, it is, it is borderless. It is secure. It cannot be tampered with. It cannot be confiscated. Uh, Steve and I have talked about this. How, how, what did all the wealth of the Saudi princes matter at the end of the day? All the billions, all the power. It blows my mind that even these billionaires, they were still within the system. Okay? That, that, that money was, was, they didn't own it. And so, so now we go back to gold and silver. And of course, if you don't, if you can't touch it, you don't own it. Okay. Uh, you do own Bitcoin because you do control it. You control it. Nobody else controls it. It's reached value because of consensus. The only reason that the dollar in the United States of America has value is because we still are living under an illusion that it's backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Although that illusion is, is, is wearing thin. Back to gold and silver. So can silver standard? Okay. That's really what I think you're asking, Doug. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if all of us as gold and silver investors truly believe that that's the only legitimate form of money, can we return to that standard? Well, I don't uh, think even a more even a more basic question is, who decided Bitcoin's value? Who, uh, and can that question value mark. be taken away? You well, said about that's China. The, that's the free market just assigned it five years ago. Nobody cared. This morning they assigned a value of nineteen thousand eight hundred. Again, this is this is, and I know that this is a fundamental. We're inverting the pyramid. I will grant you that. Value with currencies, value with money, has always has always been based upon the sovereign ability to force it into a geographic area, to force it upon the people, to outlaw any other form than the approved form of money. Okay? All right, all right. Let me approach this differently. Um, people got together and said, screw the petrodollar. Um, we know fiat currencies are you know, going to go down the tube. So we're going to just create a different currency. Uh, currency, note I said currency. Not money, but currency, method of exchange. And uh, we're going to assign it an arbitrary value. Going to limit it to 21, whatever you said. Going to limit the, the number. But I'm not even sure what it's based on. But okay, but is that what happened? I mean, is that with cryptocurrency? Is that kind of the basis for cryptocurrencies? Or, well, or the basis for so still... the, the, yes, yes, but the value is in the network. The value, okay. is, well, the value is twofold. Now I'm the getting The value it. is agreed upon. It's what we all agree upon. Look, 
If nobody I'm wants to buy it tomorrow, it's, it's basic supply and demand. It goes to zero. If we all agree that it has, look, the day that the rest of the world decides that the U.S. dollar is not backed by the full faith and credit, it goes to zero. Right. Okay. But unlike, unlike, um, the, this current system, when you're, when you're within this digital cryptocurrency, the other value that it has, and look, it meets the eight criteria of, uh, ideal money. Okay. Generally acceptable, portable, well, it's even more portable, indestructibility, durability, homogeneity, divisibility, malleability, recognizability of it, and the stability of value. Now, the stability of value is what's being attacked right now. That's only because, look, what I was, what I would say, and I want to get back to gold and silver and answer your question is, what I would say is the reason we're not having a stability of value in cryptocurrency right now is because you're actually watching the death of the dollar. The death of the dollar is not going to occur in some movie-like fashion where when it crashes, that's the end. That's not the death of it. That's the funeral rites being performed. We're literally watching the, the people around the world get out of their local fiat system and get into cryptocurrency. They want out of this entire debt-based model. And it's a debt-based model of control. Okay, what, what, Precisely. What, what, yeah. what cryptocurrency is saying is we're limiting it, we're agreeing upon it, we're empowering the people, and no authority is going to seize it from us, outlaw it. They can outlaw it, but that's the thing we'll get into that. That has a whole other issue. Um, in fact, I would say this. I would argue this since we were, I mentioned it. The day, if they ever even attempted the foolish notion of outlawing cryptocurrency, okay, and I don't think they will do that, but if they did, then know right then and there that that is the currency controls being put into place. Got it. Okay. That, that, that makes perfect sense. Right. Aaron, one thirty-second statement from me. The basis of America's original value of the dollar, based on the gold in Fort Knox, was there was a limited supply of gold, and you could only increase the uh, currency supply, if you will, the amount of cash available if the gold uh, uh, on deposit obviously increased. With fractional reserve banking and the end of the gold standard, that enabled the petrodollar printing into infinity or ad infinitum without any borders and what and Doug this will maybe help you think of Bitcoin uh, this is how it dawned on me as a limited pool of what everyone is accepting as value so the price has to rise and in order to facilitate that price people will be willing to pay more and more for something that the others uh, other people around the world one of the, well, Pastor Langford called me uh, during a break and he asked me to ask you this Aaron okay he says how do and this is critical, okay? I'm sorry, I'm saying okay now. Uh, this is critical. Uh, how do you exchange? How do you exchange a Bitcoin for goods? In other words, you know, people are asking me, and it's coming in on my email, obviously on my uh, cell phone from David. Uh, how do you go about exchanging it for goods? Now I know the right. answer, but I want you to explain it in a better way than I would. All right, let's get back real quick. Let's get back to, to hopefully answering Doug's question about gold and silver. And, I, and, and thank you, Steve, for 
We're talking about Fort Knox. I would submit that we will never go back to a to a gold and silver standard for one simple reason. Okay. What they are do what they are doing throughout the world, what we are witnessing, and I and I believe it's at the scale of of the of the industrial revolution. In fact, I think it's greater than the change that the, the industrial revolution ushered in. Okay, this is not dot com boom. This is not the turn of the, of, of the 20th century. This is at least proportional, and I would argue even greater than the dawn of the industrial revolution. What they have done in that industrial revolution, that entire industrial revolution that got really kickstarted um, around 1776. You had the the um, destruction of the monarchies and the ushering in of a republican form of government. You had the destruction of an economic system. What was that economic system? It was feudalism, okay, and it was mercantilism. And you ushered in Adam Smith in his book on capitalism, um, The Wealth of Nations. And you had an entire new economic system. We take this stuff for granted now. It was mind blowing at the time. It was it was truly revolutionary, okay. And we uh, and we we took power, and we began to take it down from the hierarchical top of the pyramid, from the kings, and, and from the elite, and we began to move it towards the people. And the industrial age ushered in that to a degree, to a degree. And what we've seen with technology is that this has been a fight, especially since the Internet was launched. What the Internet initially did was it propelled the people, it gave them even more power. And what we've seen in the last 10 years is a extreme pushback by um, the corporations, the elite, and ultimately the government. And what I'm arguing tonight is that cryptocurrency is a massive push back to them. This is an ongoing fight to, to gold and silver. This, I made all that long-winded statement when I made all that statement to say that what we are witnessing is the dismantling of trust in the entire world system. Trust in government, trust in the monetary system, trust in the education system, trust in the media. You trust in religion, trust, you name an institution that was venerated at coming out of World War II, and they have destroyed the trust. And so if the Chinese and the Russians disconnect from the U.S. dollar, and they claim that they're going to put us on a gold standard, and they wave a Russian ruble or a Chinese wand, who's going to believe them? You're going to believe the communists now that it's backed by gold? Good point. You're going to believe the Arabs? Who are you going to believe when every institution crumbles? I'm going to tell you who you're going to believe. You're going to, you're going to believe no one. And that's the beauty of the cryptography system of the cryptocurrencies. It's yours. You hold it. There's consensus. It's limited. Nobody can take it from you. You can go through, right now, I could have a billion dollars in these accounts. I could walk through every metal detector on this planet, 
I could, they could inspect every security device. I could leave this country. I could land in Beijing, Hong Kong. You pick a country. As long as I have Internet access, I have my money. That is power. And the gold and silver, it won't get through the borders. And, and, and now, now, and, and let's, and are you going to park, you going to park the, you going to park your gold in Singapore? You going to park it in Hong Kong with the Chinese pounding their chest and threatening Hong Kong? You going to go put, where are you going to put it? You can't put it in Switzerland. They sold out. So, I think the, the, here. Let me let me make. I think I can maybe bring even a little more clarity to that. The problem is we're in a total change. May I just, uh, Aaron, with your permission? I think if people understand the fourth turning, and, and I'm, I'm not going to go through all three of them, but I want to just read. May I a couple sentences? Okay. The, and this is by Strauss and Howe. If you haven't read, you know this, you've got to read it. Okay, you must. The four turnings and the here's the four turning. The four turning is a crisis. Old artists die. Prophets enter elderhood. No man's enter. I'm sorry. Nomads enter midlife. Heroes enter young adulthood. And a new generation of child artists is born. I want to come back to there. There is an era in which America's institutional life is torn down and rebuilt built from the ground up, always in response to a perceived threat to the nation's very survival. Ladies and gentlemen, aren't we there right now? Civic authority revives cultural expression, finds a community purpose, and people begin to locate themselves as members of a larger group. In every instance, four attorneys have eventually become new founding moments in America's history, refreshing and redefining the national identity. So basically, what, what they're claiming is with the stock market, crash and the GI generation and now the millennial generation, I think people need to understand I have, you know, they have kids that are probably five years old and six years old who have computational skills, abilities, and knowledge beyond their parents by any means. You know? And the thing that is really critical, ladies and gentlemen, we're aging and these people are coming up in the ranks. Ten-year-olds are coming up as genius-level people. So I think that's important that people understand that. Go ahead, Aaron. What the what the internet what the internet did to communication, the blockchain is about to do to money. Okay. What did the what did the what what did the internet do with communication? Prior to the internet, we had institutions: the New York Times, the Washington Post, the NBC Evening News. He's venerated, and they were the authority, and of course, they were, and, and because they had these big offices, and they had all these reporters in the field, of course, they were reporting truth, okay? They got, they got legitimacy because of where they sat on the hierarchy of the pyramid. The higher up, the more authority, the, the, the more truth we granted them. The, 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 we believed them for what they were saying. And the Internet comes along, and the Internet doesn't care if you're the New York Times. The Internet doesn't care if you're a blogger. The Internet doesn't care. What they, are, what they will decide by consensus, they will allow you individually to report, to decide, to take in information. If, if you're in a crowd on the streets of Egypt during a protest, 
your perspective is just as valid, probably more in my opinion, than a New York Times reporter. It's a great equalizer. That was mind-blowing. That was a revolution that was taking place within media. We're still, they're still reeling from that. And they're losing, and they're going to lose. Why? Because the, the technology, they can't take that technology back. They can't take it away from the people. We're going to see the death of media. We're going to see the death of media institutions. We're watching the death of these media personalities in real time. And soon to follow will be their entire institution. Their entire ways of reporting are obsolete. What I what I'm saying, what I'm proposing, which is so radical, and I and and, and, and I, I it's so radical. We're about to see that with money. Okay, we're we're going to we're going to find out that that the sovereign that you're sovereign when you can create money. Okay, and I keep saying okay because it's, it's just. You can, I see it, I can't explain it. They, they've, they've, they've got us, they've got us believing and chasing a debt-based financial prison. And the people are deciding we don't want to participate in that. We can't get gold and silver. And here's the other thing that's going to give it value. We're in a digital age, and this is very important. How are we going to conduct business in a digital age with a traditional form of money how is it going to be done how are we how are we going to exchange value when we're move, when the when the products that are moving are not even physical anyway and what do i mean by that i mean most of the books are now downloads. Most of the music is streaming. Most of your news service is online. Your broadcast, everything is going digital. And yet, the money's not. Okay, well, that we can have their digital money. Well, that's just a prison. In fact, that's more of a prison. That's, that's their dream. We all agree on that. So I would I would submit that the money is if we weren't going to go into a digital age, maybe there would be some hope of gold and silver. How do you go? How do you digitize gold and silver? You're going to have to trust that they don't sell that out from underneath you. That's the whole problem with even the idea that they would that that, that I would that what I would have bitcoins backed by gold. So we park our gold with with Fed service and we trust that we're back at the same problem. Am I making so, a little sense? So, so well, a little bit. I'm still of the of the mindset where um, if I had Bitcoin, I would I would run to Steve Quayle and, and, and exchange it for gold or silver um, because what is Bitcoin backed by? 
the I money have an is answer, Doug. Yeah. Let, let, hey, Aaron, let me help here. I think that the bottom, and, and this is my own opinion, I believe that the people that do make the huge money are going to do that because, look, uh, uh, the one thing that concerns me more than anything, and, and Aaron, I want you to address it, is the fact that these people believe, the elite believe, that a scorched earth policy killing off, and, and look, this is, this is something that we've got to address tonight. I'm getting emails on it, and I know where Doug's going, but if, if the elite have their way, they will bring about World War III to bring upon the scene the Antichrist. Now, the question is, when does that happen? But if they lose control of everything, you know, uh, unfortunately, when Rothschild made the statement, what, give me control of the nation's money, and I care not who writes its laws, they will not give up their power willingly, and have you considered, or those who I would call, you know, spherical geniuses like Cliff High, and he is one, and I consider you in that category, and that's not flattery, just you, you live in a different world. The point being, and that's a compliment, uh, the complexity of this can boil down to this. You know, uh, we're going to see at some point an interruption of everything. So I understand that, excuse me, if the one island, by the way, I'd like to know what that island is, and I'll meet you there, that's going to handle all transactions for bitcoins. But right now we're in a, a total if you will, desire with the powers that be to generate a world war. So at least at some point, in your opinion, if that takes place, this isn't a challenge, it's a question, then where does that leave the digital currency world? I guess my answer to that would be, and even answering Pastor Langford, you make the money in the digital market and you turn it immediately for commodities because now the reverse of that is going on. People that would be investing in gold silver for all the right reasons are being lured by the bait to go into you know digital currency and i'm talking about the older generation let's say 60 and up because it's hard even as doug is not 60 yet but he's it's hard for people to ascribe value to it so we run through a typical transaction let's say again you did it already but i don't think people heard it you want to buy Let's say this. Let's say because Bitcoin is twenty grand or close to it. I'll just say it's twenty grand. You want to buy a hundred thousand dollars of gold today. Well, that twenty grand is going to buy, you know, or excuse me, a hundred thousand is going to buy eighty ounces, let's say, of gold. So, would you basically? I would have to have a Bitcoin account to to accept your offer, and then it's between you and I, and I send it to wherever you direct me. Is that the basis of anybody who buys? anything on Bitcoin or on the platform? Oh boy, let's go with let's go with investing. Uh, if you have a hundred thousand dollars in gold and silver and that's all you have, keep it. Do not get into Bitcoin. Let's just make this real simple. If you if yeah. you're looking at five hundred thousand, you're looking at a million. Look, when 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 gold and silver go, you know, go to true price discovery you can afford to go park a, a you know an X amount of percentage in cryptocurrency and take a shot at that. Okay, would I advise anybody to take to take a, a dominant, a predominant position, a majority of their gold and silver holdings, uh, and put it into cryptocurrency? No. Would I would I do both if you had the means? Yes, but 
But gold and silver, and I agree with you gentlemen, gold and silver is the ultimate security. Okay, I believe that. I'm, I'm invested that way. But I'm saying it's, it's for certain people that have, that have certain assets, it is wise. This is a completely new asset class is what I'm saying. And that is what's got people confused. You traditionally have five asset classes. Stocks, bonds, real estate, fine art, or cash, rather, uh, and precious metals. Okay? So that's the five classes. We're, com- we're creating through consensus out of a digital revolution a new form of money. That's as revolutionary as Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, streaming, blogging were new forms of reporting. They didn't exist prior. The form of communication, nobody could imagine those forms of communication. Why would you need a million bloggers in the United States giving their political opinion? We have CBS. Why would you need cryptocurrency? We have fiat. Gold and silver with, with, let me address, I, I think we've covered gold and silver. I, you have to be smart about this. You can't do not. They will not let gold and silver win the entire system. Gold and silver will never even begin price discovery until the entire system is coming apart at its seams. It'll probably reach price discovery about two days before that happens. When you see a hundred dollar silver in what? 10, 50, or, or yeah, 10, 15,000 gold. Um, it's, it's over. It's not beginning. It's over. And at that point, don't sell because the sky's the limit. Who knows what, who knows what the true value of it is? But until that day, I, I do agree with Steve. I think a lot of the money is going into cryptocurrency and they will come back in when, when crypt, when this system is about to buckle. Let's go back to 1929 real quick, guys. We had a currency system. And it is commonly known historically that across the United States, there were over 200 forms of scripts in what substituted as money during the Great Depression. We're going to see that again. We're we're going to see across the planet all kinds of substitutes taking place for transactions. Does it have ultimate value, historical value? I think a lot of this is a product of its age. It's a product of the times we live in. And in in where I believe we're going in a digital age, cryptocurrency will have a place. Maybe it'll have the head at at the table. I don't know. I do believe that gold and silver... Look, I personally think that silver is going to $1,000 an ounce. I personally think that gold gold will be unobtainable. But I think that there, but I think that there will, I don't even think people will be using that to trade or to barter. I think it'll be so valuable. 
In regards does answer, to yeah, does, does that answer your question, Doug? Or not? Yeah, yeah, it does. And you addressed the uh, procedural. And Aaron, Aaron addressed the uh, uh, practical. Yes, it does. In, in regard, in regards to how do I purchase something today with with digital currency? I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but it does need to be covered. In very few people understand this. Silicon Valley understands what I'm about to say. There are, you know, the top MBA programs go through this. Um, Every every rollout of a new idea and a new technology goes through what I'm about to explain. And it's called the, te- the technology adoption curve. It, think of a bell curve. Within the bell curve, it has five distinct phases of adoption. Every new idea, every new concept, every new technology, anything that is new to humanity goes through this cycle. It doesn't skip a section. It has to go through this. Sociologists have studied this. The original book was called The Diffusion of Innovation. It was in the 1960s. Subsequent, or after that, we've had, I've read probably 10 books written solely on the diffusion of innovation curve and what it looks like. And very simply, this is what it is. You have five distinct groups of people that will eventually adopt any new technology, any new idea. This is not a personality trait. Okay, So what do I mean by that? Some technologies you might be in the first group willing to adopt. Other technologies you might be in the very last group to adopt. It just depends on the nature of the idea and the innovation. What are those five groups? The five groups are the innovators are phase one. The visionary are phase two, the pragmatists are three, the conservatives are four, the skeptics are five. The first phase, the techies, only one and a half percent of the entire population at the time of that new idea is introduced. Only one and a half percent will be in the first wave of adoption. Why did they adopt it? They adopt it because of the novelty, the newness, the revolutionary aspect of it. Think the iPhone in 2007. That's only 1.5% of the population. It then has to move to the pragmatists. The pragmatists are 13.5% of the population, or not the pragmatists, the visionaries. They're 13.5%. What they, they're not interested in the novelty of the item or the techiness of it, but they do see the application specific to their um, circumstances, and they begin to come into it. They want a competitive, in business, they would want a competitive advantage over their competitors. The third phase is, the third phase are the, are the pragmatists. They like to stick with the herd, but they do, and they move with the herd. They don't want anything beta tested on them, they want to know that it is now the new standard, and then they'll come in. That is 33, 34% of the population. After them are the conservatives. They do not, they want, they want it tried, tested, bugs out of it, and 
they'll be slow to adopt it, late to adopt it. They're another 33%. And the final 33% of the skeptics, and they'll come in years, if not decades later, and they'll usually come in complaining about it. <clears throat> okay, I think, think your grandma, you know, when she had to figure out email. Okay. So why is that important? That's important because every new technology that's introduced that they have studied has taken at least 20 to 25 years to go through that entire curve. It's a generational change. So where are we at in Bitcoin? We are just about to go into phase two. How do we know that? Look at the percentages of the global population that are involved in cryptocurrency. Best estimates is maybe 1%, 1.5%. It's the techies. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the true people that were into it for the rebellion of it, the novelty of it. Maybe they, they saw the true application. They got into it over the last, basically, we've been into this uh, nine nine years, almost 10 years. We're about to go into phase two. Phase two is 13.5%. Think about this. We got a price of $19,000 in Bitcoin, and we've had 1.5% of the world play with it. What happens when 13.5% of the world, and I would submit it's going to take about two years, come into Bitcoin? They're going to leave the fiat system. Part of cryptocurrency's value, and I'm talking about nominal value, it's kind of like the it's like art right now at auctions. It has these insane valuations because we're dealing in we're leaving a fiat system. We're trading in our fiat fiat currency for something that we perceive as more value, rightly or wrongly. We perceive it as more value. We're willing, and, they, and there's plenty of dollars floating around. There's plenty of fiat currency. They're going to spend it. We're going to see a hundred thousand minimum, hundred thousand on on Bitcoin next year. It's simple math. Most of the people that have even come into Bitcoin so far didn't have a lot of money. There's a handful of them that were millionaires, maybe one or two billionaires, but for the most part. They were the young, they were the youth, they were the young, they were the 20 somethings, and they don't have any money. We're now going to see the investor class. This is why Wall Street, Wall Street is leading this. Wall Street, well, Wall Street's not leading this. Wall Street is a sign that phase two is about to begin. And the businessmen, the, the, the money guys, the corporations are seeing value and they're about to place that fiat money into this system. The next phase after that, it'll take two years. In the 2020s, we will see the main street. We will see the average person come into it. I would submit that they will probably come in as the entire financial system is completely burning, completely coming undone. And it will, they will come in not, they will, it's not that they're going to be excited to come in, they'll come in because the house is burning down. The gold and silver they can't obtain anymore, and they have got to get out of the current fiat system. 
that those are the those that that's the that's kind of a a a, a I'm trying to give you guys an understanding of how the numbers big picture work as far as adoption rates and what that looks like with the dollar price of the cryptocurrencies. I want to kick this back to you guys for questions and, and, and challenges. All right. I, th- I think you've given us the historical context of, of the process of acceptance of all new things. Steve, go ahead. Well, here's the deal. I, I, I didn't understand. I guess I'm in the fourth turning, the old guys that are getting ready, but I want to be the dinosaur that knows that the uh, comet's coming and I'm off planet, okay? I'm just serious. What I mean by that is even old dogs can learn new tricks. And what, what Aaron has been able to do for me, and he's about 11 years younger than me, or longer than that, I'm sorry, you're 16 years younger, is to get me to realize that there is a quantum, there is a fourth turning, that that's really a critical thing, Doug, to understand. Old systems are dying. They're giving way to the new. If you look at the Silicon Valley billionaires, look at their average ages. They think different. They've been hardwired different. They've, they live in a, a world that most of us, even though we can, I'm a, I'm a guy that can move a mouse and click send, okay? That's about it. The point being, but there are kids that are 14, 15 years old that are are absolutely, when I say this, they're beyond rocket scientists. They're, I would say, practically applied futurists determining their fate. I got a call. Let me share this. This is interesting, Aaron. I think this will underscore. One of my friends, uh, you know, who I'll tell you, I won't, I won't give her name away. She's a, a very active businesswoman. And she called me the other day and she said, Steve, I turned three thousand dollars into five hundred thousand dollars, and I, I didn't. I didn't know she was in cryptocurrency or anything. She said, "I want to. I want to come up and teach you how to do it." And uh, you know, if not, I'll say you're going to love this. So, send my twenty-four-year-old son, and he just made a quarter of a million. Okay. Now, this isn't like shoeshine boys giving stock tips, but what's? I, I think the the problem is, Aaron. People are not recognizing that the old system is dying. The equivalent of the Vandals, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths that literally uh, took Rome down are coming in the way of, let's just call it, on the Electron Highway, and that value is what people attribute to. Uh, the commodity that they're exchanging. And in order for to satisfy, like, uh, David Langford and others' questions, people, there are people all over the world now that are saying, we want to be paid in Bitcoin, uh, as opposed to, uh, dollars, uh, rubles, yen, whatever. So the question is, is that how then and, and this is a question, let's say, how do people uh, uh, buy it? And, and by the way, Aaron's not a broker, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not a broker. We're not pitching anything. We're not selling anything. But even even the uh, 20 grand or the 198 print, whatever Bitcoin's high was today, it shut down one of the biggest places that sells it. And that, what is that, Coinbase? Coinbase is adding, Coinbase is adding 100,000 accounts per day and has now surpassed Charles Schwab in uh, total account size. 
Do they have the capacity to handle that kind of volume? Because I think, you know, I think the other day you said you had a hard time getting on in any type of real time. So if if we're seeing this at 100,000 a day, new subscribers, this is critical, Aaron, and we're at the 1.5% phase going into, uh, you know, the... uh, uh, next phase, the visionary phase. I think tonight what you're sharing is the visionary phase, obviously. Uh, and and so how do how do people functionally get into it? Those who can afford to. Now I want to make a statement clear. I think everybody, and you made it even clearer, should not sell their gold and silver. This is for people that have stocks, bonds, mutual funds, etc that need to uh, adapt to a different value system. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can have a a, a billion dollars in your Bitcoin uh, account, but the point is is that you're not saying in place of, you're saying in addition to. And I think that's what everybody's got to understand tonight. If you recognize the change in the entire global economic thing, and I think you nailed it, Aaron, trust. The only reason I take a $100 bill is I trust I can turn it for something else, whether it's food, whether, you know, it's a hamburger. Uh, I'm not joking. You know, I don't know. I haven't been to New York in a decade, but I don't know what a hamburger at, let's say, a a good hotel costs. Well, my guess is, Doug, I don't know, is 30 bucks a a fair guess for hamburger fries and whatever? Not in my world, Steve, but maybe in the next, yeah. No, no, not in my world either, man. I mean, you know, I'm eating ketogenic and I'm eating, you know, stuff that uh, is mostly green and protein. So, But I'm just saying that I believe someone called me, and somebody wants to send me an email right now. Why this is valuable is because everything else is losing interest and people who are smart enough to see where we're at and what Aaron just laid out for you where we're at and the going from uh the the innovators into the you know uh forgive me uh the visionaries to the pragmatists you know the the thing is things are changing and it's tough for the old guard to yield to the new but he's also saying and tell me if this isn't a good summation he's also saying that everything that you know in the financial financial realm and have known by commercial paper it means everything that you've got a deed to uh, ownership or supposedly an interest in that's all going to change oh boy so let's let's talk yes Steve let's talk about value so let's talk about value on the decentralized network as cryptocurrency and what it's doing to the financial system look the financial system is freaking out. They're, they're freaking, Wall Street's freaking out for a couple of reasons. And, and since we know that they are the bankers, that's where they all reside, let's talk about how cryptocurrency is a direct attack upon them. Is that a, you, you guys want to go there? I defer to Steve on this. Well, I, I think, I think again, okay, let's go back and then we'll go there. Uh, here's another question. Somebody says, I know I'm slow, but how do we buy it? I mean, I don't think people understand. You write a check to somebody at the time you enter in. It's just like buying a stock or bond. And if one Bitcoin's 19000 you write a check for 19000 Who do you send the check to? To purchase the Bitcoin. Yes, I'm so, sorry. Thank you, so. Doug. Coinbase is the number one account in the United States that would open up an account for you to 
to purchase cryptocurrency, at least the three main cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin being the one we're discussing tonight. <clears throat> you would go to Coinbase.com. You would open up an account. It is extremely easy, much easier than opening up a bank account or any other financial account that we've all had to go through. So the process is very easy. You would then, you would either then wire them money. That, that tradition, that would be probably the easiest method of payment to them. And then inside their account, you can purchase Bitcoin. It's that simple. Now it gets more complicated the more you want to secure those assets. We won't even go into that tonight. That's and, that's by the way, that's you, that's you can you you can buy fractions of of a bitcoin. In other words, you don't have to buy a bitcoin. You can buy a tenth of a bitcoin. Sorry. Okay, all right. Absolutely, it's whatever amount you would like. This is genius. One of the geniuses of this is it's just a it's just a decimal point. You can and it you can spend it now. Going back to the going back to the technology innovation curve. They've been building the infrastructure of cryptocurrency for nine years now. What is going, and this is, this is a natural progression in any industry. Think the internet. The internet, the first couple of years, and the internet goes all the way back into the night, early nineties. You know, with the modem dial-ups and the squawking noise and all that that we remember. There was the techies who were, who were participating in that in the early 90s, and it took years and a lot of money to build out that infrastructure. And then you saw waves of younger people, young people, and then moving on up the, the demographic ladder to come in. You had the dot-com bubble. You then It's been going on for 25 years. It took an entire generation to basically get the planet online and get them used to email and communication and everything that we take for granted now. So in 1994, you could, you could get on the Internet, but it was much harder and much more difficult than 1999 or 2017. Why am I saying this? But what I'm saying is that if the answer Pastor Langford's question, it, it will take years to build, to transition this entire global economy into cryptocurrency. It is not, it has been nine years. According to the bell curve and the model, it should take about 25 years. That takes us into the 2030s. There's going to be huge, just like the, the dot com boom, there's going to be huge fortunes made. And I'm not talking just about personal investor fortunes. I, I'm talking about the entrepreneurs that participate and create these entire new systems. One thing I think that I want that I want to make a point of, of stressing to the public tonight is that the Facebooks, the Googles, the Twitters, these companies that have achieved over literally almost overnight billion dollar success based upon the internet revolution, most likely historically according to the textbook, will not survive this transition. Let that sink in. I could take you through 300 years of innovation 
It is a fact. They teach this stuff at Harvard Business School, at MIT, at Stanford. It is what terrifies the elite, is historically, they have all the power. They have all the money. They are vertically integrated. They control the media, and yet time after time, they cannot catch the wave fast enough. They cannot understand the change that is upon them, and they are too big and too slow and too set in their ways to move at the pace that the young and the entrepreneurs are moving at. And time and time again, they are swept away, and a whole new class arises. This is very important, because what we're looking at is a potential for an entire new money class to enter into into power that didn't have to be approved by the gatekeepers. They weren't vetted. They didn't join the club. They don't hold to the same ideals in global motion. They're revolutionaries. And they didn't have to sell out to become billionaires. It is going, it's going to wreak havoc with the system. Imagine the new class of billionaires that up in Facebook, up in Twitter, up in Google, that replace YouTube. And YouTube will be replaced. There are, the entrepreneur class are already building alternative systems. With the understanding, of course, and I have to interject this, every single platform you mentioned is is connected to, in some way, shape, or form, the shadow government, permanent state, or deep state. Correct. And, and, let's address how they work. There's a centralized platform. What is a platform? A platform is where two sides, a producer and a consumer, come together one creates content. See, these, these guys don't, they're platforms. They don't create content. This is the, and we won't have time to go through it, but this is the next evolution. This was the evolution out of the industrial age where you moved to platforms. Platforms created ecosystems. They created communities and they allowed producers, they gave them some tools and fostered some innovation. Like YouTube, for example, YouTube doesn't produce any videos. They don't produce any content. They gave you the tools. You could produce the videos. You could, cr- could participate in the community. You could gather your followers. And it was a great plan. And it's a beautiful plan, except for one thing. It gave too much power to the people. And all of a sudden, they didn't like that. So across the platform, Facebook's a platform. Apple, the App Store is a platform. YouTube's a platform. Twitter's a platform. All of a sudden, they had to intervene and control the content. The beauty of the blockchain, and this surpasses and it goes to my original statement, money is the first application of a decentralized network. What they're really about to do is they're going to reconstruct all that on a decentralized network, and there is no third party intervening. Whatever you want to push out as content, whatever you want to blog, whatever video you want to post, it goes right into your community and followers. And nobody, no third party, no gatekeeper, no government can intervene. This money, we're we're dealing with money right now on the blockchain. That's the first thing these guys went after. They're they're building literally right now in real time. They're building alternative Facebooks, alternative Twitters, alternative YouTubes. They're building stuff that I'm reading is blowing my mind. And I've been an entrepreneur for two decades. 
I, we broke the rules in our industry in the first time around. We're about to launch another company that's going to break the rules again and upend the order. And I'm being blown away by what these guys are building. Um, financial services. Let me show you what they're doing in financial services. Banks primarily get their money a couple of ways. They get it through fees. We already talked about how that's going to be eliminated. They removed out of that equation. They get their they 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 get money through loans. There's now going to be on the decentralized blockchain companies that are making micro loans at two, three, four percent, not thirty percent, not late fees. There's banks make banks make money through uh, taking corporations public, and this is what has really got them concerned. So if I want to go public, I have to go to Wall Street. I got to be vetted. It costs me millions of dollars in lawyers and bankers. And Goldman Sachs, it's rumored, it's reported that Goldman Sachs, when they take you public, these other companies are taking 40 to 50% prior to you going public. You sold your soul before you ever got a dime. What are the ICOs that you're hearing about? You're hearing about all these ICOs, ICO coins. If I, I have to go Aaron, through Aaron, those, Aaron, those define, define, hey, Aaron, ICO, India, you know, yeah. Charlie Oscar, ICO, make, ICO define that. Initial coin. ICO is an initial coin offering. We used to have IPOs, initial public offering, stock issuance. Goldman Sachs was the, the bankers were taking their cut of the stock before it ever went public. What the ICOs are now is I'm a kid in the basement. I'm on the blockchain. I want to build a company. It doesn't matter whether I'm in India, Russia, the United States. I need to raise funds. So I, I put my company up on the web. I announced that in three weeks we'll have an ICO. And they're raising tens. Some of them are raising a hundred million dollars in less than 30 days. No bankers. No bank fees. No vetting of government. See, if, 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 if Wall Street, if, if Doug and I want to come up with a radical business solution and we need funding, we have to go to the VCs of the banks and it's counter revolutionary. It's counter the state. There's no way we're getting financed. It ain't happening. This and is where they just bypass everybody. Aaron, we are up against our top of the hour break. Folks, we're talking with Steve Quayle and Aaron Brickman. The subject is cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and others, how they work, how you purchase them, what creates their value. We'll be back with our third and final hour after the, the short network break. Don't go anywhere. This edition of the Hagman Report, 
Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com and Aaron Brickman. Discussion of cryptocurrencies, really, what is what is this all about? And I'd like to just come out of this hour uh, just to remind people, Steve, I'm going to ask you, when you put together the this program and you said it's necessary, Doug, to have this program, something impressed your heart, I mean, something was on your heart, to have a program, this this program itself, uh, to to discuss cryptocurrencies, if you can just c- kind of uh, encapsulate what. Sure. The thing that yeah. Aaron did for me as helping me to understand, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I am as dyed in the wool gold and silver guy as you could ever bet uh, or ever get. But I wanted to know the technology and the transformation that would take place. He helped me to understand that. Until that point, I was oblivious. The the Bible says, and this is an important scripture, the children in this in this generation are wiser than the children in the in of light. In other words, the Christians aren't known for you know having great understanding outside of what God gives them. So it's usual that the the sheep are always uh, uh, overruled by the wolves. The wolves have been the bankers. Let's face it: central banking has destroyed the world. The military industrial complex moves by money. Yeah, Murder Inc., whether it's with atom bombs or, uh, you know, uh, uh, sidearms or the latest, greatest grenade launcher, rail guns, lasers, masers, and, you know, other weapons that most people don't know even exist. The whole idea, Doug, the reason this is critical is because it's changing and to the degree that we can help people to understand this. And by the way, I, I, I think no intimate knowledge of the stuff Aaron has taught me. Aaron is probably one of, and I want to say this, Aaron, this isn't to flatter you, but he's probably one of the most dedicated prayer warriors I know. He's also one of the brightest men I've ever met. Now, the Bible tells me to give credit to whom credit is due, honor to whom honor is due. But also, um, there were some there were some amazing, I would say, this prophetic uh, events happening that only God could orchestrate to bring this about. Aaron is is smarter than I am. He stayed out of the public light uh, longer than I did. But I said, brother, welcome to my man cave if you ever decide to go back there. So the idea is simply this, Doug. God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, Aaron, I want to address one thing. The pullback that's going to happen, and then uh, uh, I believe this is Jay sent me a question. By the Federal Reserve, he's asking this question. I think it's a great question. Is the Federal Reserve uh, able to artificially raise the value of Bitcoin by buying it, obviously, and generating fiat money, and thereby uh, basically run it up and then crash it to destroy uh, Bitcoin or give the perception of fragility? That's really a good question. They right. could... That they could, they could certainly look. If, if there's, if there, it's going to be much harder for them to manipulate than anything that it's not within their system. See, everything that they're manipulating right now on Wall Street, they can, they can do naked shorting. That's what they do in gold and silver. They dump a phantom supply, a third of the world's production. Of course, they don't actually hand it over. It's all through paper. They can't do that in Bitcoin. So 
all they could do, so they can't just go in there and they could short it and smash it. They could go in there and physically buy it. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I think that's what Jay's and asking, then they have too. To, but here's the, here's the problem. They're now buying it, which is shooting up the price. So when they go to sell it, they will sell it and start a panic to the downside if, but here's where panics, people don't understand. Panics don't happen because prices go down. Panics happen because there's a lack of offers to buy. Okay? This is how we get a, a crash in 2008. It's where everybody has bought. There are no more buyers, and you step out. What they would do, they've created by 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 having this price explosion. Jamie Dimon comes out and says, it's a scam, don't get into it. That was 3000 on Bitcoin. We're now at 20000 and that was three months, two months ago. Every time they say Bitcoin is, is a scam, every time they say Bitcoin is, is going to die, and then it goes higher, it actually gives it legitimacy. They have now created such awareness in the mind of the public that as they bought the price, going to this question, and it goes up, and then they sell it, and it starts coming down, there's not going to be a lack of buyers. There are going to be all kinds of buyers that haven't been able to get in and will step in and support the price. Because again, okay. Yes. Yes, it does. And if I may, just very, very quickly, 45 seconds, uh, for those just joining us or for those still unclear, you know, my question was, what is Bitcoin? It's a currency. It's a new currency. And just, just what, um, Aaron had said, created in 2009 by someone using the alias Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, there's no middlemen to this, meaning no banks. Uh, there are no transaction fees. No need to give even your real name. There's a level of anonymity here. Merchants now are, are more merchants are accepting bitcoins. They could be used to buy merchandise anonymously. International payments are easy, cheap. Um, they're not tied to any country or subject to any regulation to to buy uh marketplaces uh you but you buy them bitcoin exchanges allow people to buy or sell bitcoins using different currencies whether it's the yen or the dollar um people can send bitcoins to others using mobile apps mining as you had mentioned people compete to mine bitcoins using computers to solve anything from complex math puzzles to various other means so uh, in owning bitcoins they're stored in a digital wallet that exists either in the cloud or on someone's computer that's how you store your money so at least that's the fundamental aspect of a bitcoin for example and i should i should note that uh, in 09 uh, just looking at this it started out uh, uh, you know, six cents. It, it didn't uh, hit a dollar until 2011 in February, and now it's at uh, 20 grand or thereabouts. And the value is determined essentially by supply and demand. And I hopefully I answered people's questions just by that foundational. Reading. And Aaron, because we're running out of time, you know, I think people need to understand there are other opportunities and offshoots. And I think it's really good if you'll explain the different. Uh, uh, platforms and the different offerings and which ones are the most, uh, if you will, uh, do you feel comfortable in doing that? Like Ethereum? Yeah, and that's, 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 uh, and I loved, I love Doug's summation. I, let's cover price and then cover alternatives. 
Right. And by the way, let me say one thing, everyone. I'd ask that everybody be in prayer for Henry Groover. During one of the breaks, he sent me, uh, 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 what do you call it, where you, you know, send a, a picture. He's just undergoing massive facial surgery on the East Coast. And some of you rightly identified that he had very severe skin cancer, basal cell carcinoma. Mm-hmm. And I just got a picture of him. I mean, he sent me what after surgery. He was in surgery a lot today. And uh, keep him in your prayers that God will give him miraculous healing intervention. Those of you who have been blessed by Henry's ministry and, and we're at, uh, oh, good night, uh, our, our thing in Branson, you know, the True Legends Conference, uh, he really could use your prayers. And I thank you for your prayers for him because he's he's one sore boy, and it looks like literally, uh, this is no exaggeration, I'm sure this, maybe I'm going overboard to say this, but his eyes are black and blue, his whole face is swollen, and, and it looks like he's been literally, you know, through the mill. And Henry's 75, 76 years old, God's given him strength, but pray for him, and just, uh, I wanted to thank you for that. And Aaron, I really think it's critical that we get into the alternatives, because I'm getting emails from people I know and I mean, at nineteen thousand dollars. I mean, at, at, first of all, let me do this. Yeah, almost the word I don't use much linearly. Let is let's explain where you're looking, or at the time period roughly where you think there will be a pullback, and then some alternatives to some stuff. Uh, there are other, uh, if you will, cryptocurrencies that have explosive growth potential that people, if they feel they want to get into it and are financially capable of getting into it, that can do that. So will you do that in that order, if that's the order that seems right to you? Absolutely. Right now, personal opinion, not giving a financial advice because I'm not a financial advisor. My personal opinion is no way am I a buyer of this market. No way. I don't care right now. It's right now we're at seventeen thousand. We have been in a five thousand dollar range today, between twenty thousand and fifteen thousand. That is more volatile than any product that has ever been financially traded. I was on I was on the phone with Chicago on the trading desk for other financial products this morning, and we were watching it in real time, and they cannot believe what we are witnessing. I would say I would say this. I believe that we are seeing the first truly globally traded product that the masses have access to before the elite. Most Powerful statement. Every, every other financial product in our life, the elite, the VC companies, in in pre-qualified what they call institutional investors who have to have net worth well in excess of millions get first dibs at every major investment vehicle that Wall Street takes to the public. We are called the retail investor. They hand us the leftovers. They are they are upset, and that's to put it mildly, that a bunch of kids and tech and middle class people which in a ridicule this in the press, the cab driver, this waiter, this guy, like they know more than Wall Street. Well, apparently they do. So, so, so they, because of security laws, the professionals have actually been the last to participate. 
legally. So, and we're now watching an asset class that is rising across the planet as the masses can get out of the fiat system and get into this. The valuations on the valuations both for gold and silver and cryptocurrencies are are not even reflective of their intrinsic value. They're reflective of the hyperinflation that we have all lived through over the last 40 years as they've That's reduced all fiat to zero. That's a perfect analysis, I believe. Not that, not that you needed my endorsement. And by the way, speaking I, of that, hey, look, well, hey, you talk Hagman, I'll, I'll take your endorsement all day long. No, uh, no, 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 no. And, and, and Steve, I, I want to address one thing here, okay? Because I've gotten like a half a dozen emails because we're talking about Bitcoin. That does not mean I personally or we are endorsing cryptocurrency. We we discuss spirit cooking. That doesn't mean we go out and and, and make a meal of blood and semen. Okay, so yeah, we don't. Those... We don't ask our neighbor over for dinner and he ends up the entree. I, I got to tell you, no, that's not at all what we're talking about. Look, both. Aaron and I. Aaron is, uh, you know, this is not talking out of school, Aaron, but Aaron is one of the guys that was in the gold market, still is in the gold market, still is in the silver market, and obviously he's an investor, and obviously he's done his homework in no way, shape, or form. Let me make this clear, Doug. No way, shape, or form am I telling anyone to sell their investment holdings in gold, silver. I'll be blunt. I'm not. And the point is, is no way am I saying that. But what what's missed on most people is, is that the manipulation of the metals market's been done through Wall Street. I believe Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies at all are going to break the manipulation of the metals. I believe we're going to the moon on gold, and and you missed it. Well, I know everybody missed it when Aaron was talking about the new electrics, the new electronics. Everything in that world that's coming into being that is in such a futuristic setting with products being uh, built today uses silver. The reason the control in the silver market is so vast, and it's the most hammered market in the history of any commodity, is because the powers that be that know, and by the way, the, I don't know, Aaron, is it uh, J.P. Morgan or is it somebody else that's got, uh, I mean, literally, uh, you know, thousands of tons of silver. They know where it's going, and it's interesting. The people that are manipulating it the most are buying the most. So, Doug, can I make it any clearer than that? That's not what we're doing. That's not what Aaron is doing. What Aaron is doing is telling people, look, I just posted on my website the fourth turning. Things are changing. And the thing is, is that, and, and I said this, I'm on record, the idea is is that the whole charade of central banking, the whole charade of banking control the money and, and controlling the people, God in his wisdom is going to break the back of that. Now, did God invent cryptocurrencies? Absolutely not. But what is happening is people have been in a form of economic slavery. They've been under the boot. It doesn't matter how much you make, they make sure even the dumbass, and I'll call it that, tax relief plan, that it doesn't benefit the middle class. The middle class is destroyed. 
You know what kind of crap I got on that, Aaron, when I said it, uh, you know, a decade ago that the middle class was going to be destroyed, and I rest my case, uh, econometrically it has been destroyed. The thing is, is that what we're bringing is to tell you the fact that this is going to change everything. Now, if I were to get into uh, currencies and I got a killing on an under, and, and we got to get to that, Aaron, underlying uh, other cryptocurrencies, I, the minute I got a home run, guess where I'm putting it, Doug? I'm putting it in the metals because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it doesn't matter no matter what. It's what you got in hand. It's not what you got in a, uh, even in another land. It used to be Switzerland was a Valhalla. Now, with the exception of private uh, reserves and banks, the Swiss won't even turn over the gold. Nobody's turning over the gold. Why aren't they turning over the gold? Because the Chinese bought it all. The Russians are buying what the Chinese don't buy. And then India's buying the leftovers. And the American people are, are deaf, dumb, and stupid when it comes to not being able to see the plan. So, Aaron, we go into the second tier. And, and, and again, Aaron's on record saying he would not be a buyer at these levels. $5,000 in a day? I remember when I used to trade silver, uh, you know, and futures. And, I mean, you know, one minute you think you're a hero when you're up 300000 and then the next day you're down 400000 and you end up being 100000 a hole, and, and for 12 hours you think you're the smartest guy in the world, and then for the next 10 years you think you're the dumbest fool that ever lived. I'm only speaking about myself. The point is, is that we're bringing you the where everything is going and the end of central banking and I made the statement I would not put it past these guys to bring us into a world war to try and maintain their hold because it, but let me share this they won't be able to so Aaron give the second tier if you would and and tell people that there are other opportunities besides Bitcoin and explain kind of the the platforms versus the uh, you know what makes a a uh, investable one not as an investment advice, but you, I mean, you know, you're a trader. Uh, what do you look for? Go ahead. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Very quickly. Cryptocurrency, and Bitcoin is only one of them. Cryptocurrency at its basic level is software. It's very important that we understand it is software that is running. The, the software is within a digital environment, and it, is, and, it is, and it has different properties. So, for example, Bitcoin is was created, there's only 21 million. That's a highly deflationary type of currency. There are other cryptocurrencies that want to have a different model. They use the same technology of the blockchain, the ledger, all that back-end stuff they're utilizing, pretty much similar, but they have a different vision. So some of them are inflationary. There's more and more as you use, more and more and more are created. Well, I think that we don't, I don't want that personally, so I'm not investing in that type of cryptocurrency. There's up, so what we're seeing now is different cryptocurrencies having different economic uh, visions and to the degree that they can rally around people with consensus and community who buy into that vision that gives it value. This is, and I, and I keep going back to this because it's very important that the listener understand that is, because if you don't understand that, you're going to go, well, why are there 20 cryptocurrencies? Why now are there 100? Why now? That's the reason why. Currency, and here, this is a fundamental belief of these guys. 
sovereignty does not create currency. It used to. But what the cryptocurrency world is inverting on its head is that currency, the ability to create your own currency, the ability to be a blogger back in the Internet days, the ability, that is what creates sovereignty. Okay? The New York Times doesn't, isn't the sole authority. Once I have that ability, I've created a level of sovereignty. I now get to decide what truth is and report it, not them. We're in, they, these guys that are bringing out cryptocurrency, their basic ethos is we have created a currency. We are forming an ecosystem. We are forming a community. Come, join us, invest with us, trade amongst us. That makes us sovereign. If you don't like it, don't join us. Go join Bitcoin. Go join Ethereum. Go join Litecoin. They have different visions. This is radical stuff. So addressing your question, Steve, right now, we might see 25,000, in the next month. I don't even really care, frankly. It's so overheated right now. I'm not chasing that market. I'm not a momentum trader. I like to buy stuff when it's on sale. And right now, it is not on sale. So we will, and people, I think that it's a great day to have this conversation when a lot of people are probably, you know, very excited. Some people are excited. Some people are fearful. Everybody wonders what's going on with the price. Prices don't go up forever. We've seen that. They don't go down forever. They don't go up forever. They will always come back to the mean. There's always a reversion to the mean. There's reversion to the average. We will always come back down. So I encourage people to do some to do some research. Use this interview to, to spark an interest. Go research. There's great articles. And, and wait for a pullback. The pullback might come from 25000 in a month. I don't know. But if we go from 25000 I, w- I do know this. Every correction in Bitcoin has been a minimum 30%. Minimum. Some of the corrections have been 50 to 90%. Okay? That's, that, that, we've never seen correction. We would call that in a traditional market a, a, a crash, if not a depression. Bitcoin, Bitcoin is right now, this entire year, Bitcoin is having 30% corrections every two months by clockwork. Last year, they were even having greater corrections. I'm just spending some time to just tell people, breathe, don't go chase this market, maintain, don't get into the emotional hype, don't get greedy. If you're going to get into cryptocurrency, be patient, do some research, and wait for a 30% drop. 40%. You might even see 50, 60%. In regards to second tier, the top, if you're making a list, if I was advising somebody, I'm not going to advise. Personally, if I was personally investing, the blue chips would be Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Litecoin is is very similar to Bitcoin, only the transaction speed is lightning fast, hence the and Litecoin. It will be it is trading at ninety six dollars right now. I estimate a year from now, thousand easy. 
Bitcoin, the number, the technical guys are looking at 100,000 plus on Bitcoin. Ethereum, Ethereum is very important. You're going to hear in the news a lot more next year about Ethereum. Ethereum is, is, is a cryptocurrency. It's a blockchain, but it is engaging in smart contracts. We probably don't have time to go into smart contracts tonight. Smart contracts are going to dis... What Bitcoin in, is initially doing to the banking system, smart contracts are going to do to real estate, real estate agents, holding companies, the media. I, time doesn't permit... If you are, what's, what's radical about cryptocurrency is if you are a third-party provider, if you are a gatekeeper in any industry, you're obsolete. You're about to be removed from the people. The people, you're going to hear this more and more in the news, peer-to-peer. They don't want to buy, they want to go direct to the other party in exchange of value or exchange of information. Uh, and and this is why this is why we bring brilliant minds on Aaron Brickman, Steve Quayle, talking about this. That I said that to say this because you just described the revolution to Steve's fourth turning, which we're in. Getting it now, I understand. Go ahead. Ethereum. Ethereum is, you're, you're seeing, now you're going to see the banks, and you're seeing it. The banks and the tech companies are, are scrambling. And they're saying, oh, we're doing blockchain too. And we're joining alliances, and we're going to build the blockchain. Well, I, I have to laugh about that because, yeah, the New York Times or Time Magazine stopped printing a magazine and went online, but that didn't change their reporting or their behavior. So, so the, 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 the gatekeepers adopting technology, trust me, they're not going to, they're going to tweak the code. They're not going to release the blockchain. They will refine the blockchain in, 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 in make it serve their purpose. And this is the fight. This is what it's going to come down to. The fight over the blockchain is going to be competing software. They're going to offer their, their, uh, their darkest vision of control inside a digital grid. And the entrepreneurs are going to offer the original blockchain and the masses are going to have to decide and it's going to be a fight the, the, the government and the in the the industries will not they're not going to go down with a fight there's too much money and power this is this I'm, I'm under no illusion or delusion that this is but this is this is the change that that we're about to witness over the next 10 15 years getting back to the fourth turning the fourth turning is about a 20-year process. That fourth turning began it in 2008. Coincidence that the white paper was written at the same time? I don't think so. So we we aren't even halfway through the fourth turning. What we're, what 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 you, Doug and Joe and Steve are, are seeing with with YouTube and in in the alt media attacks and everything that's coming 
that's part of the fourth turning. That, 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 and it's only going to intensify as we move forward over the next 10 to 15 years. But make no mistake, when we come out of the fourth turning and we come into the first turning, the first turning, and this is an 80-year process from first to fourth. We're in the final 20 years of this entire process. Think that the first turning was the 1950s. The fourth turning was the Great Depression in World War II, where every institution since the Civil War was dismantled, destroyed, power was shifted across the globe, it came to reside in the United States, a new empire came up, during the first turning, America rose, new financial system, new banking system, UN, World Bank, IMF, you name the global institutions, they rose. The media, everything else, all of that we have lived through, that's a product of the first turning. It's being dismantled now, and the fight right now is for who is going to create and compete and control the institutions that will be cemented globally in the 2030s. The fight is not in the 2030s. The fight is right now for what the 2030s and 40s are going to look like. Second tier, back to back to this. So, so these cryptocurrencies all have a different. They, they they function similarly, but they have a different vision. The three Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum are gonna are the blue chips. Think of those as your blue chips. That's why that's why Wall Street wants into Bitcoin. They don't want to take a chance on some unproven cryptocurrency. They want the leader. They want the original. After that. Um, I, I suggest EOS. It's called EOS OMG, which is going, which is Chinese, or it's, it's really going to be in the Chinese market. Neo N E O is going to be Chinese. It's the Chinese alternative to the Ethereum smart contract network. Uh, QTUM is going to be in the Chinese market. By the way, the Chinese will go into cryptocurrency. The Russians will go into cryptocurrency. Besides their grandstanding and posturing over the last three months, why will they get into cryptocurrency? Because it gets their people out of the dollar system. I, I think that's the atom bomb for tonight, everyone. That is the atom bomb. Doug, if everybody quits using the dollar simultaneously, and, and because of, let's just use the word, spycraft, you can bet your bottom dollar that CSIS, Chinese Central Intelligence, Chinese Secret Intelligence Service, obviously, uh, you know, the forerunner now of the KGB, the all of the intelligence agencies of the world know this. So the thing is, is that Putin and obviously the Chinese and the Indians and the Saudis even, everybody sees that the day of the dollar is basically coming to an end. And those even in the oil business will make a a change because with with the Ethereum platform, uh, you know, and contracts. I mean, everything's instantaneous. What do you think that does to uh, you know the sharks that are in the water, known as lawyers? I, I mean, can I say something? It, it, I don't think, Aaron, I don't know that you've addressed that tonight, but let's just say this, 
man, if you think the sharks are disappearing in the ocean, watch what happens to lawyers. And, oh, excuse me, what about accountants, you know? So, I mean, here's the deal. You're seeing the extinction. I always love the bottom line. You're seeing the extinction of the world's financial system being replaced by a totally new and, and truly new but transforming form of commerce. And, you know, this is fascinating. Von Clausewitz, in his classic work on war, uh, you know, made the statement. I've quoted this a hundred times on talk radio. When goods don't cross borders, armies do. Do you realize, too, that this takes away much of the motive, which is profit for war? I mean, I don't think people really get it. Now, thank I didn't either, okay? I want you to know, Doug, I mean, you know, uh, if I was on the slow boat to China, man, I was on the rowboat to China. But I thank God that that Aaron was released to help those of us that are a little slower to understand what this is. So, I, Aaron, I'll tell you what, Aaron, I'll put up on my alert section that, because a lot of people are trying to write all this stuff down. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'll try and have that up tomorrow. Uh, and again, Again, this is not investment advice, but I tell people this. It doesn't matter with the gold or silver market. You have to decide, you know, when there's a sell-off, just like there's in gold and silver now, this is the time to buy it. Same thing when the cryptos sell off. And personally, I can I could never see me buying, uh, you know, Bitcoin, but I could see me buying Litecoin. I could see me buying something that's been as high as 400 for 50 bucks because, you know, I could see that. But I would not take any money out of my contemporary holdings because look here's the thing we're in a never never land that we've never experienced before and this is this is the i would say this aaron this is probably one of the biggest financial events in history because this is going to be this is going to be i'm sorry steve no go ahead i'm done i just this is going to be bigger than the industrial revolution the industrial revolution and adam smith ushered in it liberated it took the finances from the crown and from the elite inside the inside across europe inside the courts and it dispersed it to the people the shopkeepers the innkeepers that, 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 that we got out of mercantilism and went into capitalism what I when I'm the capitalism only got us so far, and I love capitalism. And what I mean by that is it's been strangled and it's been it's, gates have been erected to control capitalism, to control the flow of ideas, to control the flow of creativity and entrepreneurship. They have they have they have controlled, corralled, and now they're destroying in the markets true capitalism. They have, we have two-thirds of the planet that either has limited access to capital or no capital. What happened? And, and that has been done on purpose because the bankers want to keep them in poverty. They've made, they've made alliances. They've made deals with ruling elite. And, and on, on another hand, they don't have any money. The, the, people that are subsisting on less than $2 a day, they couldn't cover a banking fee. Forget a bank wire. So, so we have two-thirds of the planet don't even participate in the global economy. And what I'm saying is the cryptocurrency, because it's going to be accessed here in the next couple of years, anybody that has a cell phone is going to be able to access crypto. It runs on top of the net. It's a protocol. They will be able to access their money without a gatekeeper 
And what happens when two-thirds of the planet has access to capital, can exchange capital with no gatekeepers, no bankers involved? What kind of, what kind of creativity? Quick example. How about, how about this? There's, there's a disaster in Bangladesh. People in the United States, digital money, they can instantly, instantly send $10 million in cryptocurrency to people in need in Bangladesh. And there's no, there's no third party. There, there's no Red Cross in between that's, that has hierarchy and, and is going to squander most of the money. Do, do, you, do you understand the, the level of disruption this is about to cause? And therein lies the importance, relevance, and rub. Ab- absolutely. And again, how do I say this? I love the cartoon illustration of, uh, you know, all the, if you will, the early 60s cartoons where you get somebody, what, Sylvester the Cat with two symbols on the head and his head's in the middle and whatever that Tom and Jerry Mouse, I, you know, I don't remember the, the player so well. But that's what's happening right now. The rest of the world is waking up. And, you know, the, the joke is, uh, I mean, and it's a tragedy. The joke is that we printed so many dollars and traded our dollars for real goods, and the value of those dollars diminished with the sheer amount of currency being flooded on the market. And what Aaron just said is this. The age of entrepreneurs can come back into the market versus all the secret patent bastardized control of, and by the way goes true for medical I mean there are people that are incredibly brilliant out there who who can't get capital because of them will keep them down I, I'm telling you this that the word innovation explosion isn't even accurate enough so again ladies and gentlemen this is giving you a glimpse into a world that most of us don't pay attention to and uh now tonight we're confronted with it and we're confronted with it because now you start to see why every tech company of, of that has any of what I would say uh, genuine transferable technology and value gets priced so high so uh, you know I think that you're going to see some amazing things hint 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 coming on the market that are going to basically also ensure and I'll be blunt if Christians have to run to their life and God saves a safe zone. You know, the thing is, is that I'm praying that, you know, that the Lord speaks to his people. And people can quote the, the scripture, what is it, Aaron? The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. That doesn't mean you go out and, and, and covet and want to steal your neighbor's wife or his fortune or his technology. It's kind of like Bozeman, Montana. I make this statement. I stand by it. When somebody comes in with a good business, you, you have the originators. And then after that, you get the duplicators. And it's true in anything. So this will break that, you know, just trying to do. It doesn't matter if it's franchises. It doesn't matter, you know, what it is. But if you got one, you got to have four more. And they don't understand. It's not about diluting an existing pie. It's about baking, uh, uh, or it's about making bakeries and baking all the pies that are necessary to satisfy the appetite. That's about as close as I get to a kitchen. Go ahead. It, it's it's capital it, capital formation. It's control. It starts with the love of money. It starts with capital. 
and, and when you take the, when you take these guys out of the equation, and capital can freely be exchanged without any interference, without any control, without any authority deciding whether they can recall it, isolate it, um, then then you're going to see an explosion, like Steve said, you will see an explosion of creativity and innovation across this planet, coupled with the last 20 years of the internet as a communications device, we will witness innovation and creativity on a level that we haven't, we haven't even known or experienced. One thing that is really surprising, I think you get a kick out of this, Steve, they have, I was reading a book the other day out of Silicon Valley, they have taken innovation and they, in, in, they have laid over the, the and the innovation curve goes parabolic. It's going parabolic over the last 200 years. And they've laid it over the population growth of the planet, and they're identical. It terrifies them. Contrary and that's to why, and, and that may be true. That's why the elitists want to kill off everybody because they want to control the uh, innovation at their hand. And obviously, if you know that they're losing control, then they want to make sure that anyone that would gain the control is offed. Off, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, means killed or taken out of the picture. So. Again, my number one concern, Aaron, because I think we're down to the, what, last, Doug, uh, 18 minutes or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 17 minutes, is that the situation in Korea and some of the, and this is critical, and the appointment of a, uh, the new head of the Fed hating cash, I don't think that people understand this. The word freedom terrifies the bastard rulers, and a bastard, I want to define bastard so you guys don't have to say, well, if you were a good Christian man, you wouldn't use that term. That's what God called the offspring of the fallen angels and earth women, who, in my opinion, still control the world from behind the scenes. So, how does that fit into this? The love of money is the root of all evil. The control of money is the control of all evil. And what Aaron is telling you tonight, in no uncertain terms, that control is going to be destroyed, decentralized, and you're going to cut out the middlemen, you're going to cut out the support for all that, and that's why somebody says, hey, Steve, I got a great uh, great idea for this, that, or the other thing, and I, and I'm just using this as, as, a, as an example, I, I want to, I need to raise, you know, $5,000, or you're going to see offers in real time. Time, and they're going to be instantaneous. As fast as a man can read an offering, he can decide. You know, as fast as uh, the agreement can be sent, it's going to be signed. But it's going to be a different way of doing everything. It's going to be between the funding source and the individual. And Aaron, that's taking place right now. The PayPal guy has already integrated that. I think they're called microloans, you know? Yeah, they're, and, trying, and so the they're de- trying to take that stuff and integrate it into their, into their system because they don't want to have to come over to the new system. Okay? Exactly. Make, make, do not confuse the two, okay? Their digital money is exactly what you and Doug and Joe and others have warned about. It is, it is a prison of control. This is not. This is why they're terrified of it. The, the I, I want to say this because we're going to get into um, um, the economic system 
the Industrial Revolution upended the economic order. It also brought in a new taxation system, completely new way of taxation. Okay, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling everybody, this thing is so revolutionary. You, they can tinker with the tax code all they want in D.C. Five years from now, it won't exist. All I got to do is look at history. This will get so out of control that they will have to go to a sales tax or a VAT tax. They will not be able to do income tax anymore. They will not be able to keep track of all. There is no tracking of this. It, it, it's addresses. It's not even names. In, out. And there's no, and when you, and when this is all taking place, you're not going through gatekeepers that are keeping a financial trans, history of it and then handing it over to the IRS at the end of the year like Charles Schwab would do like the credit card companies would do if they were audited this, this is wrecking havoc with the, the whole way that they watch and garnish your money if I can interject one thing here for a point of clarification when the program first started I was worried I was concerned because it seemed like a rocky subject with um, uh, you know it just seemed rocky uh, the whole concept now you have explained it now I can see and I don't think any other show any other person leave it to Steve Quayle leave it to Aaron Brickman to do this to contextualize this topic folks don't confuse this with digital banking this circumvents the entire system it short circuits the entire system which is why it's revolutionary uh, which is Aaron started out uh, talking about the, the revolution first this is exactly what this is now I get it and I hope everyone that's listening gets this um and as, as as you said, okay, it's going to lay waste to the current model, the current economic system that we've got. Um, okay, this now it makes sense. I said all that just to say it makes sense now. Now I can see the impact, the importance, the relevance, and the future. And what you said, well, lastly, what you said about the parabolic curve, the innovation versus the population, extremely important I think when, when everyone understands that and programs to date I've listened to about cryptocurrencies and I have listened to them I'm not that stupid I do know how to operate uh, uh, you know a fax machine uh, so, so having said that uh, okay now you put it in, in, the, in the proper or in perfect context both of you and I've got to say this is the first program I've heard that lays this out in the context in which I believe it was it, it should have been laid out and I want to thank you both, but continue on. We still have about ten minutes left, I think. I, I, look, that's high praise from you, Doug. I appreciate it. I, I, I approach this whole night kind of with trepidation, and not not because of you guys, but it, it, it is a massive topic. It is, it is. We're only scratching the surface, and it, it is it is so overwhelming. And I I I feel for the people. I, I if you're one of the listeners who is just completely still confused, it's not you. It, we are dealing with historic level three four hundred year cycle change we're dealing with technology i'm a technology entrepreneur for 20 years and i'm sitting in meetings having to wrap my head around it um i so i want everybody out there i appreciate you um, taking the time to listen being patient trying to work through these ideas and if you're still struggling um you're not alone 
Um, I spend I spend each day still trying to come to grasp of the profound change that is upon the planet. But I feel like there's an opportunity for Christians, Christian businessmen, Christian entrepreneurs, men, women, Christian community, Christian activists, to come together and to understand this. I'm not saying we have to support it tomorrow morning, but I do think it's relevant. It's more relevant. It is going to be more life-affecting and life-altering than the Internet. This, this is beyond anything the Internet has done in the last 20 years. And, and I want to make this statement. What, because there's, there's a lot of people that still think, well, cryptocurrency was probably an NSA project, and there's a backdoor, and somehow they're going to take everybody's money. We've all heard that, right? Am I the only one? Oh, no. no, I've heard it. I actually, I actually, you know, believe that the NSA, you know, is involved in this at some level or breakaway aspects of it, you know, or just pissed off people. Sorry for the language, everyone, but it's real uh, in the NSA. I mean, you're talking about just the concept of this from the uh, Japanese-sounding gentleman to be so far out of. Uh, the periphery, you know, and again, Aaron, in the last couple minutes, you know, we're talking about stuff now. They're talking about D-wave computing, quantum computing. They're talking about, and by the way, didn't the Chinese just say they now have totally non-decipherable encryption? They have algorithms. So, in essence, that if they've got them, others have got them. So uh, would you say, too, the platform that comes up with the most sophisticated or po possibly exists, uh, you know, encryption and uh, algorithms and protection, protection will be uh, 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 number one concern, and you said speed. Well, speed, you know, is it, you know, so if somebody wants to do a Bitcoin transaction between two willing parties, it takes, what, three, four minutes sometimes? So is there, is Coinbase, here's my big question. When you talked about the innovation realm and you talked about the one and a half percent, then the visionary, and then the pragmatist, and you gave out the percentages, can Coinbase, and who else is the other one, the big one, uh, can they keep up with it? These ladies and gentlemen, that Coinbase, and what I'm asking Aaron for is another name. They get overwhelmed. A hundred thousand new accounts a day. Well, that's boggling. I can tell you this: that doesn't happen in the stock market. Go ahead, Aaron. Oh, real quick. I I, I do not believe. I do. Regardless of whether, let's take two two sides. Let's take the side that the NSA. This is an NSA project. Let's just take that side. We know the Dar internet was DARPA. How's it working out for them? How, how's it working out for their centralized uh, propaganda campaign via the internet? Could not. Really ask the alt media. I'd say not very well. What they, <laughs> what these guys, even if they were behind it, and I actually do not believe they were behind it. But having been in technology for twenty years, I will tell you this: technology is the ultimate double-edged sword. It cuts both ways, and you better be real careful. And however you intend the technology to be, how you intend it is rarely how it's used by the masses. Okay, so when we launch our, how you set up your navigation, Steve, on the website, if you watch the way people navigate, it's never the way that the web designers thought it would be. So, Another good point, yep. So this is, so I do not believe, in, and I don't, time doesn't have permit 
to get into quantum computing and why I do not believe, even if they could hack, I will say this, even if they could hack the blockchain, like I said earlier, all it contains is an address and an amount. This isn't like you got into a database with credit card companies or bank statements or you saw one address sending X amount to that address. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that? So, um, what was your what was the other question we had? Um, what was your what was your last the, question? The uh, alternative or can Coinbase? Uh, does, uh, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Coinbase. Can, can Coinbase handle the yeah. volume? And who's who's the other one? The big uh, uh, you know, where the question because people are still asking. Well, where do I get it? Let's say they decide to get it. Uh, what's the other exchange where they can literally? You know, it's simple. Whether they write a check or bank wire, and they get whatever they get. You know. Coinbase, Coinbase will remedy the situation. Obviously, they have an economic incentive to remedy the situation, so they will remedy that situation. Although I will say that if we're only at one and a half percent adoption, and we're about to go over the next two years to thirteen and a half percent, not only will that affect the price, but that will obviously they will have to scale in. And it's not as easy to scale as you would think, even though it's a digital realm. They will be challenged with that expect delays over the next year two years although i know that they have come out and made commitments that they are going to increase their staff 16 fold during the year 2018 and that they are going to eventually by the end of 2018 have 24 hour seven day a week customer support Now, listen, address, address, if you would, Aaron, because we're down to the last six minutes. Address the fact of what happens with the exchanges, okay? Because Cliff High is on record saying that the, uh, explain that they're going to allow futures and et cetera in this, but that it will overwhelm the system. Real quick, and I thank you, Steve. Uh, Real quick, these guys are so greedy that their greed is uh, blinding them in, in using some common sense. Wall Street is going to use derivative financial products in the form of futures to add leverage to what I already described as the most volatile financial product the planet has ever seen. What do I mean by that? I mean that today, in 30 minutes, we saw a 30% rally in the price of a product in 45 minutes later, it lost a third. No, it didn't. It lost 25% of its value. That took place all within the span of about two hours. Can you imagine applying five times leverage to that? They will blow these accounts up. I have told people, I have talked to Chicago. Um, they are afraid of it. They don't. Some of the, some of the firms are not going to offer this. I agree with Cliff High. There's only one way this is going to end. There was a Zero Hedge article today that is talking about how the clearinghouses and even some of the banks, including J.P. Morgan and Goldman, are now starting to think that this thing could could come back to bite them and take not them down, but take some of the clearinghouses down because they would have to step in. And if any trader, I mean, if the losses are greater than the trader's account, then it has to go to the clearinghouse. We're, we're, you, you cannot, you cannot, you can't, you can't add five times the leverage to a product that has thirty percent swings in a couple of hours. Both, both ways, by the way. 
that this is unheard of. So I do agree with Cliff High. I think it ends really badly. That gets into the, the debate is will that spill over? It's at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. They're the ones that are doing the fraudulent gold and silver and every other market. Will that spill over into the gold and silver and some of their other product lines where they can't control those markets either? And they can't control it because it eats up their liquidity to have to cover losses over on Bitcoin. So maybe, maybe, hey, I don't know, maybe God's blinding them. Maybe, maybe he's inducing them through their greed into their own destruction. We've been seeing that lately. In other, we, in, uh, we sure know, have. In, we we in sure Hollywood, have. In the government, in, in what you guys have been covering. I mean, so maybe that's what's to come in the fight in, in Wall Street. Um, but I will tell you this, do not, do, do not trade. If, if you have a million dollars, $2 million and you think you can trade futures. Yeah, you can trade futures on an S&P that has a half a percent move in a day, but not something that moves 30% in an hour. They used to call those crashes. I've traded two crashes and I, I traded the 2000-2001 crash and the 2008 crash. And I will tell you what, I, I, I this is like trading those crashes on a daily basis right now. Wow. And you end up in a fetal position and, and banging your head against the wall. I have a, a wall of humility. I look at pictures of in those days of my life, Aaron, and I look to the right, bang my head there. Now, I'm, I'm taking a metaphor, but what I say is it's a reminder. He's telling everyone, bottom line, Doug, don't get in the futures and stuff. I'll put up tomorrow, oh, we're just about out of time, I'll put yes. up tomorrow Aaron's list of what he's doing. He is not a licensed counselor, and most of them who are counselors, financial counselors, have no clue of what you just heard. Ladies and gentlemen, you got an introductory lesson to a Ph.D. and Ph.D. of future economics. And I, I got to thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for obeying the Lord and coming out to your cave. And you're welcome to mine when I go back into mine. Amen, Steve. I just have to say this real quick because we're at the end of the show. Uh, Steve, when you when you promised a good program, you delivered uh, exponentially, and I want to say thank you, Aaron Brickman, for your expertise. Again, you've explained this cryptocurrency. Uh, unlike anyone else I've heard explain it, uh, two brilliant minds, and I and I say that um, with all with all uh, respect. And uh, thank you both. We're at the end of the program. Steve Quell, SteveQuell.com, Aaron Brickman. Uh, Aaron, is there any way that people can follow you? You don't have anything, do you? Digital footprint or anything? <laughs> I, I like. I, I tell Steve I like to live in the shadow. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, as Steve said, we're all going to join you there. Steve, thanks so much for putting together a great program. Bye-bye, Thank Doug. you, God guys. Bless I really appreciate what you guys do, Doug. All right. God bless. Folks, that'll do it for us. We're at the end of the, end of the hour. God bless. Hope you, hope you had a... Hey, listen to this show again. Good night, everyone. 